0: Log
1: Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Pengloss coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Still adjusting my chair here. Hang on, it's stuck on the rug. Ugh. There we go. The complications that make life so exciting around here. Yesterday was hysterical. Oh, I couldn't believe it. We had, uh, of course, the front went through, and Jason's on the line already. Jason Myers is going to be joining us in, in just a second here. But we had this big front go through about half an hour before showtime. And it, the power went out. <laughs> the power went out in, in all around uh, downtown Milton. Uh, on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River, and this is North Florida. I keep forgetting to put that in. It's been four years now. i got a four-year anniversary coming up, and I forgot to put that uh, in, uh, in my intro. But I'll just keep telling you. That's okay. You, you get the idea. Anyway, so the power went out, and, and we missed Pecky's uh, report, which is okay, because he had to cancel anyway. So then we start with Wendy Arthur, and then I get about 45 minutes into the show, and the power goes out again, right? And so I mean, this is great. I got to get one of the universal power supplies, something that um, – uh, that will uh, you know, allow me to continue on. But uh, you know, that's the th- th- there's a long list of things we need for Action Radio. Like, I don't know, multi-million dollar uh, uh, marketing budget. That would be good. That would be a, a real help. Anyway, I want to play something for you guys uh, because I made this for, for uh, Jason and for Staying Your Ground. I think it might be a good way to kind of get us going here so he can hear his own commercial right before he comes on. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. I really love that. All right, let me give him a round of applause and then I'll make his line live. See all the fun we have here, Jason? Good morning. How you doing?
2: Good. Good morning, Greg. How are you?
1: I had a great time. It's better than yesterday. It's sunny. It's freaking cold out there for Florida. <laughs> but it's, uh, I didn't right. know, I to move here from California to freeze my butt off, but I guess uh, that's kind of how it goes sometimes. All right, new. <laughs> I didn't know we were Southern Alabama with the direct pipeline to yes. Alaska. <laughs> this is like the Fairbanks Express. So yeah. So did you get affected by the power failure too? Did that, that hit you guys yesterday?
2: Yes. Yeah. It hit the range yesterday uh, when we got there yesterday morning. All of our computers and phone lines were down.
1: Got to love technology, right? Well, it's interesting. You know, they can do a whole bunch of things, and they're worried about climate change, but they don't fix the power lines. <laughs> you know, I still contend that uh, you know, for for what we've spent on everything from the the Iraq and Afghani wars, uh, Afghanistan wars, and all this, all the money donated to uh, um, Ukraine for I'm not sure really what we could have put all our power lines underground from from Texas, from the Gulf Coast of Texas, all the way to uh, South Carolina, and protected all our power lines along the coast.
2: Just a I thought. said that. Please. I have said that for years myself.
1: Okay. All right. Well, tell us about Stand Your Ground. uh, Let's do a reintroduction of you, and then let's uh, talk about whatever you want to talk about. We have plenty of time. All right. Stand Your
2: Ground is the newest gun range here in Santa Rosa County, Florida, in beautiful Milton. The range, we finally got our permit uh, after nearly a year of dealing with all of the government bureaucracy, so to speak. Uh, We are set to start building the block walls here in the coming weeks. Everything else is open from our gun store, our concealed weapons classes, uh, our self-defense classes where we teach Krav Maga, which is Israeli hand-to-hand combat. And after the first of the year, we will now be offering jujitsu and judo classes. Um, Our security guard classes are doing extremely well right now for the Florida License to Get your unarmed security, and shortly we'll be offering the armed security classes. Going on from there, we've had a lot of people enjoying our archery range, which has been really nice. We made it very affordable, and people come out there mostly with their own equipment. If they don't have it, of course, we can rent them a bow and the arrows, and they can just go out there and shoot targets and have a good time. The axe throwing. Now, that has become an addiction for me. I have to throw it. I cannot pass it up.
1: <laughs> I Man, every much. time I walk um, back there, I hear I'm hopeless. It. Yeah. How oh, is the <laughs> boss? Oh, he's back there throwing axes. Okay, fine. I mean, do people say that on the phone? Yes, yeah. I'd love to connect you with uh, Jason Myers, but at <laughs> present time, he is axe throwing. I mean, how many people can say that on the job? <laughs> That's just fun right. all by itself. Where are the employees? Well, uh, can I have my axe break now, please, sir? Yes, go ahead. Go ahead. Take your 10 minutes of axe throwing. We'll, we'll see you in a little bit. <laughs> I can't Can you tell you how many times.
2: I uh-huh. literally cannot tell you how many times I've walked into the front of that lobby and I'm hearing thump, thump, thump. <laughs> and I'm looking around. I'm like, "There's no customers in here. Where's my employee?"
1: Axe <laughs> throwing, yeah. Back to <laughs> Well, not supposed to do that. Um, supposed to be, you know, manning the desk. I mean, that is that is part of the job. But I'll tell you, you could uh, you could actually offer that if you're looking for people, right? Whenever you're looking for people, come on the show and say and just list the benefits. You know, axe throwing, Krav Maga. <laughs> You know, you know it's, not a, it's not a normal place to work, it's, it's, it, which is good. I, you know, all those regular jobs out there that drive people crazy. You know, people don't uh, really love their job. But, uh, you know, you get to do archery. Yeah, I'll take my archery lunch break now. Okay, great. See you in a bit. <laughs> I just See, think that's fabulous. One of, the, one of the complications I have
2: learned, and I never uh-huh. thought I would say these words, but when you have employees or you work closely with each other, you uh-huh. can get frustrated, right?
3: You well, that happens. Angry is all hell.
2: Right. But what ends up happening is they end up going back there to our rage room and start smashing stuff. It's like, wait a minute, do we have a problem we need to talk about? <laughs> That's whenever you know you need help. But, uh, well, you know, no, it's funny I, I, no, I you should say
1: was. Go ahead. And then I got a I question for you. But no, Go ahead.
2: Seriously, the the rage room has been very popular. I had never thought about anything like that when it was mentioned
1: to me. But
2: people actually enjoyed going back there. It puts such a smile on their face just breaking stuff because they, to. And then, of course, we clean it up after them. They don't have to clean up their own mess.
1: Well, they're paying uh, for it. I mean, right? You know, but I think that's hysterical. First of all, this is like therapy. You're going to put a lot of uh, therapists out of business, be, which is not a bad <laughs> thing necessarily, um, because there's a lot of stuff there. You know, it's like, well, well, you know, how do you feel today? What 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 color is food? You know, we have a bunch of crayons here. And we, can, <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, right. They'll do, ther, therapists do stuff like that. Right. And so, but to have a rage room, you know, I mean, just think of the, the, you know, people don't understand that, uh, breaking things, you know, doing destructive things actually prevents violence. And, and the serious aspect of this is a really good reason for doing so. There's a reason that, that, uh, you know, people are like volcanoes. If you don't let them explode periodically, uh, then it just, it just builds and eventually it's, they're going to explode anyway. So you might as well do it on a regular basis. Go have some fun, go break things. You know, I mean, it, it's just, it's had... fun. It, go ahead. You know what I mean? I had never realized and I
2: apologize, Greg, but I had never realized that it was therapeutic mm-hmm. until unfortunately we had some uh, young ladies that have come in that had some very unfortunate things occur oh, I'm sorry and they're in counseling for it. Right. Uh, they came over there and smashed up and just broke down in tears, have they got out so much frustration and heartache. Uh, it was hard for me I, I, couldn't, I, I couldn't watch it personally. Um, when they were smiling and laughing, great. When they started hitting that stride of breaking out the frustration, no, it's heartbreaking. Uh, But they come to you and just give you all kinds of hugs and can't wait to come back. It's an amazing feeling, and it's just something so neat that who would have thought, whoever first started breaking dishes other than my (laughs) (laughs) ex-wife.
1: Yeah, I I, I tried marriage once, can't recommend it. Uh, That's my (laughs) philosophy on that. (laughs) yeah it was interesting the first time but yeah okay yeah it's like uh it's like raw oysters i tried them once too (laughs) no i'm not gonna do that again yeah um just certain things i don't have to do again you know it's just uh i haven't tried bungee jumping but i don't intend to i don't i know ahead of time i don't want to do that so there's just come on yes sir Mm -hmm. come on
2: let's go come on you and i will go i'll i'll stay right there nick till the very last second okay
1: (laughs) oh the very last second this is my friend. Right? This is, I'm right behind you. You're way behind you. Way back how on the bridge. You, but I'm right behind you. At the bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, meet me at the bottom. Great. Yeah. I hope I don't meet you at the bottom. That's the whole thing. This Isn't that the point of hey. jumping? But <laughs> this is funny. If I, that'd be an interesting thing to offer. Well, here's what you can do. This is. I just thought of this. Um, ADHD radio, brainstorming. I used to work for a company called The Learning Adventure. This is back in Boston. And what we did, uh, they, they, this was like a glorified dating service modeled on, modeled on The Learning Annex, which is a place in New York. And they used to, this is back in the 80s, and they, they'd publish these, these catalogs with these courses. And really, like I said, it was a glorified dating service. So what they had was like massage for couples, stockbroking for couples and cake, you know, decorating and uh, all this other kind of stupid stuff, right? Nerdy things, you know. Um, and, uh, and so we had the learning adventure in Boston. And they hired me. And they said, well, can you make this a little more adventurous? <laughs> you know, it's supposed to be a learning adventure. Um, yeah, I can do that. So I brought in, you know, zip wire, you know, aerobatic biplane rides, <laughs> you know, windjammer cruises, <laughs> rappelling off, off, you know, cliff rappelling and rock climbing and, and, and you know, massive horse galloping across fields and things like that. And so we, we had a really, it, it was a blast. But uh, that, but when I was thinking, the reason I brought this up is because you could actually be like a local adventure service, uh, you know, have uh, coordinate with the planning folks. You know, anybody that comes there, you know, might want to do something else. So you could be sort of a coordination uh, thing with all the different adventures around here. You know, if we got uh, you know shooting and, and river boating or, or uh, tubing or who knows what else, but sort of coordinate the adventures because you know the more I think about this, the more I think we're onto something as far as therapy goes. I think you need to change the name of the rage room. I would call it the therapy room or the breakthrough room. How about the breakthrough room? How does that sound? You know, people we, are making- we might
2: have to we might have to add that as some sort of synonym,
1: right? Yeah, call the breakthrough room because although as people, you know, and and what you're actually doing is preventing rage. If you've got folks in there that are making breakthroughs in in their personal lives that are, you know, as they smash dishes, they're actually smashing barriers. They're smashing through into their personality. They're smashing through things that they haven't dealt with. It's like depression. Why do people get depressed? Well, it's the body's way of telling you that, it, that we've waited long enough for you to get your act together. Now we're going to force you to slow down. And I was, I was horribly depressed a few years, about eh, six, seven years ago. So I, I know of what I speak. It's like I call it uh, walking neck deep in molasses is, is kind of the feeling of it. Right. But without that depression, I wouldn't be here at Action Radio. And I've talked about that, too, because it was a breakthrough. And uh, my body said, OK, Greg, we're going to deal with everything that's brought you to this point, And we're going to solve this now. And it took two years, but it worked. And because of that, I'm now free to do anything I want without fear uh, and can do action radio. And in the same way, I, I really believe that uh, something like the, the the rage room, the breakthrough room, you know, or, or you can say something like, you know, have your breakthrough, <laughs> get out of the rage room. Um, but, uh, it, right. uh, you know, it is important. And things like, like you know, if you want to have, be relaxed, you know, go shoot, you know, make some noise. <laughs> And, uh, and 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 yeah. just and something very relaxing about shooting. And people think this is counterintuitive because the left will tell you, "Oh no, sh- you know, guns are dangerous. You can't do this. You know, it's terrible." But what people don't realize, a, it's fun, and b, it's very relaxing to be able to put a bullet in okay. a very small face. And and we'll talk about that. So tell me your experience and uh, folks that have uh, you know uh, that you've worked with. Okay. Well,
2: as far as, far as the firearms go and getting to shoot, the experiences that I've had, my challenges and or my accomplishments, Um, I became a firearms instructor somewhere around 2008, I believe it was, and Hmm. started teaching. Um, My original concealed weapons class took less than five minutes, and I was convinced at that point that I was going to hurt myself. Uh, There was not enough knowledge to be given. I personally, after years of doing this, I think there needs to be a regimented course the state of florida says hey a firearm safety class can be done and if the instructor signs off on it it's good um, we offer a little more class we go through the do's and do nots why's and why nots, and you're not leaving there unless you can consistently hit that mm-hmm. uh, and then i of course i encourage people to come back you, you keep coming back we'll we'll get you better and better and better. Um, I became well, a
1: responsible person would do that. And this is the thing too. people forget that just because there's the minimum standard doesn't mean you have to stay at the minimum, you know, most responsible gun right. owners, you know, before I ever, um, I, I took uh, a few lessons before I ever shot on my own. Um, I just do that. Cause I got that from my pilot training. You don't just hop in an airplane. Okay, let's go. Let's see what this button does. It doesn't work that way. You get right. killed. <laughs> you know, that's for stupid people, right. but most gun owners are responsible. Now I'd love to see the gun companies, uh, say offer a lesson. You know, with uh, with the purchase of uh, for new gun owners, you know, or two or something like that, or if you if they offer a, a new model firearm, they should have lessons with it, like for uh, and have some incentive for the gun stores to do that. That have ranges, you know, there. There's a lot of things the gun industry could do to make uh, make firearms a lot safer. But instruction, you know, I would encourage people get get instruction and get recurring instruction. I'm going to go for some recurring instruction. Jason going to help me get back, you know, my my, my expertise. And I used to compete. You know, so it's not like I'm first time at this, but it's been a little while. And so I want to make sure that that I'm uh, up to standard and that's that's from pilot experience. You know, it's called currency. You've got to remain current if you don't do it after. Well, let me ask you this, Jason. How long would you say would be if you haven't shot for six months, if you haven't shot for a year? I mean, I guess it depends on the person. But how long would you say, you know, come on back and just get like a safety check just to make sure you're doing. You haven't picked up bad habits or forgotten things you used to know. How much time do you think would elapse between shooting before someone should say, you know what? I need to check me out just to make sure I I, I know my stuff. What would you think?
2: So depending depending on the firearm, of course, uh, the skill itself as far as shooting is a diminishable
1: skill. So, yes, Mm -hmm. you
2: do need to practice. Uh, Depending on the firearm and what you've been doing in life, so to speak, as far as being able to hold that thing and deal with the recoil, um, the uh, actual time it's going to take on the range is going to be maybe an hour or two to get Mm -hmm. back into the swing of things. Uh, to get used to that gun going off, uh, to get used to letting that trigger, whenever you're pulling it back slowly and letting it crack there, so to speak, let it be a surprise to you, that's what you've got to work. Your your muscle memory will come back to you. Your aiming, uh, sight alignment, everything will come back. just need to work on that comfortability, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and it's recommended like crazy. I mean, look, uh, I love shooting. I get to do it. Uh, quite often now thankfully Uh, love shooting every day Um, and of course I went for a couple years where I didn't get to shoot every day Uh, Uh my skills were diminishing now I'm right back where I need to be as an instructor should be so
1: uh, no, I, I agree. And that was I, one of the problems with flight instruction was that we didn't get to touch the airplane that much, and we'd have to demonstrate something, right. and we hadn't flown. We'd just been talking, you know, and so it, I, I went to the FAA and said, look, folks, you know, you've got uh, to have something where the flight schools have to give us, you know, like, uh, you know, like a couple hours per month just for a practice time. Like every couple of weeks, we should be able to go up with another instructor and just fly the airplane. You know, and so uh, of course they never they never did that, but I think it would have made perfect sense. Um, I also wanted to go. I also went to the FAA and said, uh, um, you know, as a, after I wrote my book, the complete guide to flight instruction, and I said, you know, I'd like, like to work with you guys uh, on a project, which uh, would be to trace accidents back to the instructor and back to the examiner that uh, signed the pilot off that was in an accident, and talk to the pilot if you know, obviously they survived it, uh, and family and anybody else on board the airplane, and let's see if we can find the places in training where certain gaps in our training are are leading to more accidents. And guess what they said? (laughs) Yeah. No. (laughs) You know, it didn't take long for, no, we're the FAA. We know what's best. We have our own teams that do this. Okay, well, obviously not doing it right because we're still getting the same stupid accidents we had uh, when I first started flying back in the 70s. You know, and so it's – I would uh, take that. Yeah. Uh, Go ahead. I
2: apologize. Uh, I will take that back to instructors self-defense and martial arts world. Um, Okay. As as you know, I fly as well, uh, yeah. so I definitely understand that realm. As an instructor, uh, there's a lot of schools out there, a lot of instructors, that will pass people in self-defense, oh, you get your next belt, you get your next rank, you get your next strike. They're mm-hmm. not ready for that. They're not. with being a belt factory in the same way with firearms, in my opinion, um, as an instructor, the mm-hmm. thing uh, they do with the self-defense instruction? If you're not ready, that's on me. I failed you because I didn't prepare you. So let's keep working. I'm going to work with you until you get that part. It may be you've got 99% of what you need. That 1% is missing. I'm not going to sign off on it until you have that because your life
1: depends on it. That's the fact of the matter. Yeah. I apologize. I had forgotten that, that you fly also because I, I have so many people I deal with. This. It's crazy, and I, I forget all of some of the details. Well, tell me about your flying. Now I'm curious. You know, where, where where did you end up, if you don't mind telling me? I mean, it's a, you know, I'm just curious.
2: Uh, I'm still flying now. Uh, okay. I started flying back in 1998, New Orleans. Okay. Uh, somebody that I worked for, he started taking flight lessons and said, hey, why don't we take off today and go flying? And he got me into <laughs> it. I got hooked. Um, yeah, as you know, it can be an expensive hobby, and it's something uh, that raising a family, yeah. working jobs, moving around the country—you pick up, you set down, you pick up, you set down, um, lose things, lose flight logs, can't get a hold of instructors, whatever have you. So, you mm-hmm. there's a lot of. Uh, it took me a lot longer to get my pilot's license than most,
1: I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, no, that, that, and that, actually that happens. I mean, I, I did it, uh, my first, uh, it took several years because I started when I was 13. Uh, so I couldn't even solo for three years. So I understand taking right. your time. Uh, when I became an instructor, it was, okay. intense, it was, a, it was a very intensive year course. Uh, my only problem was my timing sucked because when I got all my ratings, the airlines probably went broke. And those of us who were instructors lost all our students because people were, you know, learning so they could go to the airlines. And so we were all out of a job uh, until uh, they started rehiring again. And by the time they rehired, most of us had lost all our flight skills. Because we were poor instructors, we couldn't afford to keep them up because instructors are, are horribly paid uh, when it comes to instruction. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do, you see par- do you see parallels, though, between – well, you can talk about that, too. But do you see parallels between shooting and flying? Uh, because I do. You, you have, There's a zone, you know, and you have to think it's, – it's something that can kill you, but if you're responsible, you're going to be fine. And, and but it's, it's that element of, of the risk of the danger of the responsibility of the capacity to do something that few people can do really well uh, and master it. And this goes for sailing. This goes for archery. This goes for any of these things where you're, there's like a zone. And once you're in the zone, the, the, the whole point of this is that not only, you know, don't you think about anything else? You can't think about anything else. You've got to be one hundred percent with your airplane. You've got to be one hundred percent with your gun. You've got to be one hundred percent with your with your racing sailboat. You've got to be one hundred percent with anything any intensive activity that has a potential risk to it, but the reward is so fabulous that you say that you you master the art so that you can get the reward despite the risk. I should quote that. I gotta record absolutely. that some that was that was good. <laughs> I gotta write that down somewhere. Anyway, <laughs> but you know really what I'm talking history. about,
2: right? There you go. Yeah. Yeah, what do you <laughs> um, think? Absolutely. With- with all those things there, when, mm-hmm. when you're doing any of those activities, uh, you not only have your life in your hands, you have multiple people's lives in your hands. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, when you look at it, the leftist, so to speak, uh, the liberal side of things where they say, you know, you shouldn't have guns. We're going to take these things away. Well, mm-hmm. there are some people that want guns, and they need guns or are good with guns. And they do it as a hobby, as a way of living, no matter what, right? Mm -hmm. Same thing with piloting a plane. Both things have the potential to destroy lives one way Mm -hmm. or the other. But there's still a need. So you don't take away airplanes just because somebody, you know, a a plane crashed or anything. You don't take Mm -hmm. away the firearms just because somebody did something stupid. Um, The number of times where people are able to uh, – some sort of attack or gun violence uh, because they have firearms is way underreported, as we know. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a great now on this show, we, actually certainly...
1: have a, we have Shirley Watchell, who's part of the DC Project. She's the Florida chair of DC Project, which is a, a women's gun group. Uh, and they, they advocate legislation. They do all kinds of really wonderful stuff. And she, she has a, a weekly report uh, on uh, someone where we're, uh, their gun saved their life. And so that's a regular feature yeah. of the show here. So we our part. But, uh, you know, more than should
2: do a, that. Yeah. There's a great story circulating out there right now. Now, I don't uh-huh. know everything other than what the story reads, but it shows a great video of a gentleman in a lobby to some sort of medical facility. Uh, uh-huh. uh, another man walks in with an AR-15, uh, fires around, and this other gentleman grabs a hold of him and wrestles him and takes the gun away, uh, unarmed. You Mm -hmm. have to be willing to act. Uh, Don't go down without a fight, you know what I mean? Uh, Mm -hmm. If you don't have a weapon, you you use your body. The fact of the matter is, um, let's look at what we were always taught as kids. If somebody's going to kidnap you, somebody's going to try to pull you into a van, you don't go willing. You scream, you fight, you kick, you bite, you make a scene, you make that person want to run. And it's true, you see it over and over again on all these video cameras that Catch crime out there, but don't prevent, obviously. Uh, Mm -hmm. You see somebody uh, trying to grab a kid. That kid fights back. That person takes off, right? So Mm -hmm. let's look at mass shootings. You have uh, somebody walk into a church, as has happened, um, and start shooting. He can't kill everybody. The shooter can't kill everybody at that point. Everybody jump up, attack him. You're going to overtake that person.
1: You yeah, throw your keys uh, at you want, you want to distract somebody? Yeah. Throw your keys in their face. <laughs> you know, you that, that's going to give you a few seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
2: but whatever you do, our mentality in this country has changed. Uh, I'm not advocating violence or fighting, but I remember mm-hmm. as the teachers would say, boys, y'all go outside and handle it and come back in. You know. Oh, that, interesting. Was, that was still the way that we dealt with it, and it may come up to a push, a shove, uh, a, a cuss word at each other.
1: Maybe even a fist was and we'd come back in, and it was handled. And most of the time, we were best of friends growing up. I was just going to say uh, that the people I've had conflicts with, that uh, you know, uh, you know, when we were boys fighting, you know, from like you know six on, you know, usually you ended up yeah. being friends with the person you were you were battling. Uh, this is a guy thing. It, if you want to talk guy stuff about, because I don't know, I don't think women do this. Uh, they'll, they'll hold grudges <laughs> for like fifty years, right? So this it's a lifetime <laughs> grudge, right? But guys, and this is a guy phenomenon. This is this is just a, it's one of those weird things that we usually end up. Uh, if it's a, if the decent combat, if we had an agreement or we had disagreement, we settled it, even if it, if it got you know, physical, as long as it wasn't dirty fighting or there wasn't a, a gang or you know, multiple people getting up right. on one person. We generally respected the other person for, for going up against us, and especially if we could work it out. And if you can't work it out, then you know, you've got other problems. But it's, I think it's purely a guy phenomenon that we actually end up respecting more. It's like uh, – you ever hear the stories of, of uh, Battle of Britain? Uh, German and British pilots became best of friends after the war. You know, they were put in a situation. Yeah. They, they had to defend their country or attack another country. Um, and they, but they had so much in common because they knew what it was like to be a single person in a, a Messerschmitt 109 or a Spitfire or a Hurricane. Um, and they knew what it was like. And so they had that, that bond of combat, even though they tried to kill each other, you know, some years yes. previously. It's fascinating. It's a, it's a really interesting phenomena.
2: It's a mutual respect, mutual combat, and you're good mm-hmm. to go, um, yeah.
1: in my opinion.
2: Uh, You know, some of the things that we should be back to in this country is not teaching people, hey, when you are uh, affected or someone is causing damage or harm to you, you don't necessarily run and call the police. You deal with it right then and there, get it out, fight, do whatever you got to do and survive it. Let the police come later because, let's face it, uh, the police are reactive. They are not there being – if they know a crime is going to be committed – they're going to be there. If they know it, they're going to be there and get set up, right? Well, how would they know? (laughs) But that's the whole thing. I mean, unless you've got undercover, you know, (laughs) people, even then, let's face it, with the uh, January 6th, you had FBI embedded and they knew what was going on, but they still had to let it happen. No, they
1: they caused what was going on. We'll talk about that someday. (laughs) I call that uh, January 6th is the Capitol Hill invitational walk-in where the FBI KPD invited... With their willing associates in in Antifa and Black Lives Matter, uh, caused a a disturbance which stopped the challenge to the Arizona um, election. uh, The the electors, while the Trump supporters were still walking down. See what we've talked about this extensively on the show. We actually have people there. Uh, Jonathan Mosley and and Josie uh, Kasi were there January 6th, reporting to us live on the show. You can go back check out check out our January 6th, 2021 recording. We actually had a you know real time. We had two people on the ground there uh, by accident, and they just both called in. <laughs> was like, hey guys, what's going on? Wow! And they told us, oh yeah, oh, you'd be amazed what happens on this show. We we had, we had uh, you know Stuart Rhodes, uh, who is the, the founder of the Oath Keepers. Have you heard of him? Yeah, he just got he just got bogusly convicted by a DC leftist Marxist jury. Um, he actually called uh, Jonathan Mosley, our, our, our um, legal reporter and an attorney, uh, criminal defense attorney. Uh, he called Stuart Rhodes called uh, Jonathan from the Oklahoma prison, federal prison, right? So Jonathan's on the line with cool. so us. "Let's conference this call." So he put Stuart Rhodes on the line with us live from the Oklahoma federal prison. It was hysterical. It, it was great. Uh, it just things happen here. This is action radio. Things really happen. Hey, i got a friend of mine that wants to talk to you. uh, uh okay. are, are pretty much our regular daily caller, and uh, thank God for him to do so. Uh, Pianchi, you're on with uh, Jason Myers of Stand Your Ground, our newest gun facility and, and a bunch of other stuff here in Milton. Good morning, Pianchi.
3: Yeah, good morning, Greg, and good morning, Jason. You know, if you've got somebody back in the back that's tearing up stuff, make sure they don't have a picture. Of their
1: loved one <laughs> on the
0: target.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. I, yes. Yes. No. No. No target if, shooting with, with with face pictures. Yeah. We don't do that. I guess. If, <laughs> Jesus, you want to if they're yeah.
2: using pictures, it's no longer a loved one.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and you know another point. thing too, Jason. One thing that I always promote here is that people need to start wearing their guns, even if yes. it's unloaded or just worried the holster to get acclimated into the whole idea? Because what it does, and, of course, I'm sure you would agree, the more it becomes a common notion, then people will get used to it. Can you imagine the first time somebody looked up and seen an airplane flying overhead? They probably dove under the tables, but now they're useless.
2: Yes. I absolutely agree. I tell people to do stuff like that myself. I tell them to get accustomed to carrying their holsters, where they're going to put it, uh, whether they have a firearm yet or not, whether they're carrying the firearm, do train with it. Get accustomed to it. Uh, get that muscle
3: memory down.
1: You know, this is a really good point. And Jackie. I tell women. Um, and, uh, right, go ahead, Becky, then I'll get to my point on your I point. I
3: tell women that have, if you got a gun on your hip, have a Derringer in your bra, then have one of those long hat pins in your hair. Because all three of those could be contendum type of situation and if the person gets you down and starts starting to attempt to race, rape you you always got hair hairpin you can take out of your hair and stab them in the neck that's one of the things we teach with Krav Maga
2: where we teach everything is a weapon everything is an improvised weapon no matter where you're at or what you're doing fight use whatever you've got don't be a victim
1: you know, it's interesting uh, the point is making earlier, too, about and this is something I thought of. Actually, I wrote an article on it uh, to carry a gun in, in Canada Free Press when I first started uh, concealed carrying uh, is that nobody really trains you for how you're going to feel when you start doing it. You know, it's like when I first bought a gun, I was more nervous having it in the house. And then I crossed this transition point where I was more, I'd be more nervous to not have it in the house. Uh, same thing with concealed carrying. At first, you're nervous. You think it's going to fall out. You know? And, of course, I, I went to my, uh, one of my first places I went was my bank, right? And, <laughs> of course, I'm there. And then the guys in the armored car are out there with all the cash. And I'm going, this is interesting. In California, you know, i feel very different about this. They'd have the SWAT teams there. But, uh, and, of course, I didn't say anything. But it was just, it's an interesting mental adjustment to be in a, in a free place, in a free country, in a free state uh, of Florida compared to California where I could walk by concealed carrying my Glock, you know, you know, within 10 feet of guys that are, uh, you know, unloading cash and like, Hey, how you doing guys? Oh, fine. You know, and that's it. Uh, But it's a, it's a mental adjustment to actually carrying uh, a gun. I don't think that's really covered in training maybe as much as it should. Jason, what do you think? Uh,
2: I try and touch on it. You're absolutely right. It is different. Um, We have to touch on how not to give the signals of where you're actually carrying or if you are, because it's, as part of law enforcement and things and such, you're trained to spot those things. Well, you're mm-hmm. going to try and train it out of people. Um, it becomes very natural, hopefully. And then what's funny is if when you're not carrying something, you're still looking for it or you feel naked. You feel like uh, something's missing. What's wrong?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Where's my uh, gun?
2: Yeah. I, have, yeah. I have staff members that carry throughout the day. Um, mm-hmm. And then when they go home, they don't necessarily carry that firearm. And they're constantly looking for it and like they don't feel right without it. So, yeah,
1: you know, and we talked about this earlier with with Bianchi that uh, there are times when you do want to carry it home. And I don't think that's covered either. If you have any kind of a, of a stocking problem or any kind of a uh, domestic violence or issue, and, and especially when we talk about red flag laws later, but but the idea that people will never talk about carrying it home. And if she's got kids you know, and you might have potentially dangerous situation, the best place for your gun is on you where you can absolutely control it as opposed to away somewhere, you know, hopefully you'll grab it if if there's a problem, but uh, you know, it might be a kid situation too. And if you lock it up so much that you have no access to it, you can't use it if you absolutely need it to save those very kids. So has anybody ever talked about that? You you cover that carrying at home if, if, you know, the situation warrants it or just to control the gun. I
2: definitely I definitely try to teach that whenever it comes to the home defense. Uh, In my opinion, the weapon is best placed on you. Uh, When you're in your home, and let's face it, not all homes have alarm systems or allow you to know that an intruder has either been there or trying to get in. Uh, If your firearm is across the house and you've come into a room, there's a great video online where a woman walks in the room and thinks her husband's playing a game on her. Right. Mm. Uh, he And it was an intruder, a, another woman laying in the bed, covered up with stuffed animals and gets up and fights with the woman, and throws something at her. Well, wow. you know, you didn't have a weapon. Um, you were in your home. You felt secure. Oops, that that can become a problem. Uh, definitely. In my opinion, uh, a, a firearm needs to be within reach just about at all times.
1: I heard five seconds is the rule, that if you can't get to it within five seconds, it's, really, it's nowhere near as useful to you. Th- have you heard that before? Then I'll get back uh, to the I
2: have heard that. It's been a long time since I've heard it repeated. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, one of the rules… Well, I'm old. It's okay. Uh, fire- <laughs> I'm sorry?
1: I said I'm old. It's okay. I'm I think sorry? of things from… Okay. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Okay. Throw that back at me. Thanks, you. One kid. of the rules <laughs> that you have
2: for firearm safety… Uh, is that you're supposed to keep the firearm unloaded until ready to use. And, of course, we teach our students, well, for our purpose, the firearm is always ready to use, so it's loaded. Um, you know, if you go home and put it into a safe where you have to go into your room, go into a closet, anything, find a key, press a keypad, do a combination lock, you're, you're already in trouble. Um, they make a great holster that works on biometrics, and I've been trying to get a hold of this company, because they were in beta testing earlier this year, January, February. Uh, I want to sell this thing. You can program it to your biometrics. Nobody can pull it out. If you want to smash that holster to get it out, you're going to tear the gun up. Um, I agree with this thing 110%, um, and I think it's great for law enforcement and anyone else out there. You can have a gun right out in the open. Your kid can't get to it. It would be safe. And let's face it. Uh, we've all heard the stories. I've known people to get, uh, unfortunately, killed. You know, with a firearm. Somebody having an accident. Somebody playing with a gun. Mm-hmm. That's our thing. We want safety. I want my kids. My kids were raised. They knew where the guns were at. They knew how to use them, and they knew how to get to them if they needed to. Uh, it makes a big difference. It makes a huge difference. But let's face it. Not all kids are uh, can be. Not all kids can be trusted around certain things.
1: At that point right yeah i saw my daughter shoot when she was eight years old with a ruger uh 1022 and uh she loved it <laughs> we had a great time but when she you know but she never had a desire to go play with the guns because she knew she could at any time i said hey you want to see the guns cool. no okay fine you know so i basically bored her with them uh to the point yeah. where she's like yeah, okay i've seen the guns dad it's okay you know and that worked out well too i'm gonna get to panic and see if he had another question because he, he called in do you have more questions for jason
3: well, you know, one other thing I was going to make reference to is that when you hear these discussions about why you shouldn't and why you should, people can wear a gun just for a fashion statement. They don't have to be wearing it for going out to kill a, uh, have a gun to go out and kill an animal for food, or it could be for target practice. It could be for a fashion statement. Uh, something, a brown holster would match your brown shoes. So there's various reasons for a person having a weapon. It does not have to be the very one that those who oppose them always use as an alibi.
1: Yeah, I carry a gun because I can, because I want to live as a free man. You know, I wanted that experience, and so that's part of the reason I came to Florida. got out of California. I want to see what it's like to live as a free man. Uh, and, and even still, we have some things to fix here in Florida, but that's a huge point. Uh, this is why open carry, I think, is so important. And Pianki and I have talked about the normalization of the sight of firearms on people. Um, it would be really great if all the gun stores, you know, like you and, and some of the other folks across the state would get together and say, look, we want open carry. You know, if you had like your own gun store lobby uh, or something like that where you could, uh, you know, increase the effect of your numbers and work with DC Project and any of the Florida gun groups. And say, look, we got to get the Florida Carry especially, <clears throat> where we had uh, Jim Dykes as the director of Florida Carry was on for, I think, about three years. Uh, and then he had recently leave the show. But uh, that would be something. That the Gun Stores, Florida Carry, let's get together and form like one big, really powerful gun lobby. Uh, maybe even the NRA if they decide to start acting instead of uh, fundraising. There might be a help too. Um, but we need open carry in Florida. There's no reason not to have it. Jason?
2: Um, I'm on the fence on that one personally. Um, okay. It, tell me why. Yeah. It could could be just like you say, the normalization of seeing it. Uh, I go to Georgia quite often, and they open carry. It gets my attention. Uh, To some people, it may not faze them. It may not bother them. But Mm -hmm. as soon as I see a weapon, uh, you've got my attention. Now, at that moment, I'm going to assume this person has a clean record. They mean no harm or anything as such. And I am glad to see it. But, boy, right off the bat, I'm looking. I'm checking them out. I'm watching their personality, their mannerisms, things as such. Uh, but
1: why would you worry about the person that, who's openly caring, who's saying, here's my gun? The criminals, the ones that don't want you to know they're carrying, they're the ones concealing, and you don't see that one. So to me, an open carrying so, person is, is, a, is an open declaration that pretty much they're a good person. You know? And if they demonstrate otherwise, then I'll be carrying too. But until that point, my you know, presumption of innocence. In fact, uh, to me, I see somebody carrying a gun openly. I'm relieved. It's like, great. More mm-hmm. of us. This is good. You know, and I think I have a very different reaction than you do.
2: Like I said, that's my first reaction is, uh, okay, you've got my attention. Then it's, okay, I'm going to assume this person has no, you know, mal, uh, no mm-hmm. malice towards anybody or anything. Uh, but that comes from me working in an industry where I'm required to carry a gun on duty uh, and look at the bad guys and the perpetrators and things as such. Um But don't you look for something out of
1: place? You know, you look for, like if you see a person with a a warm jacket on a hot day in Florida, that would be out of place. (laughs) That's the class I that Beverly Hills cop. You know, but that's what you look for. What's out of place? What's uh, what what doesn't make sense? What's uh, you know, what, what, you know, what, there's something wrong here. And that to be, but somebody openly caring to me. I remember when I here's a story real quickly for you. When I when I moved to uh, uh, Florida from California, uh, as soon as I left California, I had a stop in Arizona. And that morning, morning, I'm a local diner for breakfast, right before hitting the road. And four men walked in, all openly carrying Cox and locked 45s and 1911s. And they, uh, asked, like, Wow. Because you never saw that in California. The SWAT team would be there. You know, but all of a sudden, I'm thinking,
0: oh,
1: it's great to be back in America. <laughs> you know, I'm out of California. So to me, I literally was relieved. And, and of course, the, the waitress there, she, the server, she all knew these guys. Like, hey, you know, Butch, Biff, Fred, Mike, whatever the guys' names were. And she's like, hey, you know, Sally, how's it going? Because they're regulars, right? So, and, but it was, it was really nice. That was a perfectly normal thing for Arizona, a free state as opposed to California a communist state. And so it's, there's a lot of this is perception and attitude. You as a security person, you're always looking, you're looking at everybody I mean, you're assessing everybody. You, you don't walk into a room without doing a, an instant assessment of everybody in it. I mean, I already know that you don't have to tell me, I know. Right. But that's your background. That's your training. So that's instinctive for you. Okay. Uh, I me, mean, it's instinctive to find the humor in any situation I want to walk into a room, uh, but, uh, but that's a different thing. But the attitude, but, but I think if we can get the normalization of the site of firearms on non-governmental people, yes. that would be huge as, uh, as for gun uh, rights, which are constantly being violated. What do you think?
2: Now, now, I, I that's what I'm saying. I agree with the normalization of it. My mm-hmm. issue coming from a firearms instructor uh, standpoint, there are a lot of people out there that have concealed weapons. There are a lot of people that own guns that mm-hmm. still have no clue how to use them. They were... They took a, a five-minute or an hour class. I have them come through my class all the time and go, wow, this was amazing. Now I'm comfortable. Yes, I will mm-hmm. carry a gun. Oh, my God. Yeah. I had it loaded with the wrong ammunition. Oh, wow. Um,
1: I can actually – <laughs> right? so, oh, yeah.
2: Wrong
1: caliber uh, of ammunition or so, wrong type of ammunition for, for what they were trying to do?
2: So I had somebody come in with a revolver that was like early 1900s. Oh, and they geez. had plus P rounds in it. Okay, oh. that gun was for that. Yeah, no. um, You should explain what
1: that is. So, in. For, explain plus P and old an old uh, guns just for a second. This is, people need to know this. We, may, we might uh, save somebody's life out there. So, yeah.
2: So a plus P round stands for added powder, which means added pressure. Guns that are not made or manufactured to handle that will explode. That causes shrapnel that can take a hand, a finger, an eye cause other damage to your face, things as such, and it's very dangerous. Um, Not all guns out there are made for that, of course, so it's very important that you know what you're shooting, what's on the package, what the gun manufacturer says, and what the head stamp of that round says. Um, If it's done wrong, that's why we also advocate shooting factory-loaded ammunition, not reloads. There are people out there that reload their bullets, they know what they're doing, they've got it, great, they shoot it, but... If you are shooting something that's a reload and you don't know who it is or how they actually did it, you can have a failure in your weapon and you're in trouble. So you don't want to do that. Um, the other thing, I had somebody come in the store just a few weeks ago. They had 380 in a nine millimeter.
1: Ooh, that is uh, worse.
2: Yeah, that, that's a problem. It will feed, it will fire, but because of the way the gun is, it's not going to push the round out properly. It's going to explode out because of the pressurization Uh, so there's a lot of things that just come into play uh with firearms ownership and i understand the right of america and i love it don't get me wrong i love it we can carry our firearms, we can own them we're good to go most places right most states um the training aspect of it is the only thing that scares me in the end um you know, if you don't have the proper training because you do just the minimum, that scares me. The people that want to go out there and shoot competitively, that shoot all the time, that shoot as a hobby, man, I love these guys. Y'all are safe. You're, you're handling the weapon properly. You're not scaring me. Um, and that's a big thing to me is the training. How do you have consistency in the training and know that when that person's carrying that gun, they have proper training? That's a big thing to me.
1: Yeah it's interesting that uh, if you um the more people train you know I, I was thinking as we're talking here about uh, about flying because we all fly Pianchi flies too um that we have a, we don't have a license we have a certificate and it really is a demonstration of your competence. And I proposed something yeah. like that before. And of course, all the the the, the radical uh, well, that's probably the wrong word, but just the really strong gun advocates say, no, you can't have the government involved. You can't have competence. You can't have this. But I'm saying that's the uh, that's the single biggest thing. I would much rather have um, training, you know, requirement rather than background checks, because you're going to find out pretty quickly, you know, in training what people can can and can't do. Uh, and I don't know if yep. we should institute some kind of certificate, but I would hope people would have a self-certificate. In other words, check your own currency, check your own knowledge. Don't assume you know what you're doing. The, I used to say this in flight instruction. People don't know what they don't know. And so that's when the biggest problems that comes to. They don't know. That they don't that they've got the wrong yeah. ammo in. They don't know to check the ammo because they just think they whatever their knowledge level is. They're just they're, they're completely out of sync with what the uh, the things they're able to purchase. This is why I think a gun lesson. Would you, now would you do something like that? In other words, would you offer a familiarization? Say someone's buying a, the the first semi-auto. They've got a beautiful SIG 226, whatever it is, um, and it's like they're used to, uh, you know, a thirty eight revolver, and all their childhood likes a thirty eight revolver. Would you offer a course? Say, look, let me get you familiar with this. I know you're buying it, but let's, you know, can you offer a course uh, or something like that to familiarize people with their new purchase, for example?
2: We absolutely do offer that. It's considered okay. a comfortability or refresher course, depending on which one you choose. It's mm-hmm. basically the same course. It's an abbreviated concealed weapon safety course where you get to learn whether you have to take apart the gun depending on, you know, what model you purchase, uh, how to take it apart, clean it, put it back together safely, um, Mm -hmm. how to hold that weapon, what you can expect out of it, uh, what the trigger break is going to be. We do offer that. And like I said, it's just an abbreviated. And we have a number of people that pick us up on that. It's really uh, impressive how many people actually
3: do.
1: Well, that's good. Pianchi, you got more questions? You know, I, I have a bunch. <laughs> Go ahead, Pianchi.
3: Yeah, something else you may want to uh, carry as a store item is the Daisy. Remember the Daisy BB guns? That way uh, young people can start off with a Daisy and work their way up to the real thing. Daisy, CO2, that's what I've done. So uh, that could bring in a whole new market into your business. And give parents all the reasons and say, Well, this is uh I can get my child involved in it and absent the
1: uh stringent dangers
3: of having real ammunition weapons.
1: That's Jason. A yeah. That is a you could have a shooting league too. You could have like a, a a youth BB gun league and set up uh special targets, maybe on the archery range, take an hour a week or a couple hours a week or something like that you call the show. Easy. We give you ideas. This is what we do here. <laughs> this is great fight. Hey, so, what do you, you want to you talk got, about before I ask you more you questions? Go back to the drawing board
2: and play with it a little.
1: What's that? Say that again, Jason. Now you got to make you go
2: back to the drawing board and play with it a little bit.
1: Well, yeah. Well, that's the you know. Well, I there's so many things. In fact, I had a Pianki, You might like this too. Uh, we did a show on dueling uh, way back when. and I said, if you want to save money on lawsuits, bring back dueling. You know, first cut, we don't need death. But uh, you know, if you really believe in the courage of your convictions, uh, then you should be able to stand, uh, you know, toe to toe with another person with a sword and, uh, and just, you know, talk about it or work it out, or at least uh, have some kind of uh, skill involved with some danger element. And this is where I got the idea. And this is something I saw at one of the Renaissance fairs, these wooden swords. And I would love to have like a club. You could have all these different clubs there too, especially if they're out front, people drive by and go, oh, this looks interesting, you know, because I would get a katana, uh, an English knight sword, and, and maybe something uh, like, like a Roman gladius. And if you had a, a sword instructor, we could have sparring, we could, uh, you know, with, with, with reasonable safety precautions. And the fact, we're using wooden swords, which can kill, by the way. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're not, we're not going to be doing full speed crazy stuff, uh, maybe until we're good at it <laughs> with proper protection. But that would be something, you know, to, to sort of bring back a, the, an ancient sense of honor and chivalry and, and courage. You know, before they had computers, before they could verify everything online, you know, your word was your bond. And if you insulted somebody, if you uh, if you wanted to settle up a dispute, if nothing else worked, at least you go to swords or maybe even dueling pistols for the babies. But I like sword, I like rapier and dagger myself. How would that be for fun?
2: I think it would be good. You and I have discussed it uh, a couple different times now, and mm-hmm. once we have a few other things, uh, let's say a few other things. Once our range is up and running, and the paintball field goes in, I think it's going to be time to tackle that and try and get that going here in this area. Okay.
1: Well, tell me about paintball. I love paintball. I actually did paintball. It's part of my, my brief law enforcement career, uh, I did, and I did really well at it, you know, uh, which is kind of fun. But uh, paintball, paintball can be very strategic and very educational as well as a whole lot of fun. It is.
2: Um, it is team building. It lets you know it does hurt when something hits you. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it deals with accuracy. It deals with patience. It deals with cover and concealment uh Mm -hmm. it deals with being you know shoot move and communicate build skills um of course it'll be outdoors uh for us and uh we're really looking forward to it we we got a lot of the paintball guns in here recently and uh, it's just fun just to go ahead and put the air tanks on them and just fire them
1: off it's it's fun to listen to
0: them.
1: Well, here's something, <laughs> like, too. Uh, they have something in federal law enforcement called the uh, simunition, which is paintball rounds uh, in a gun that Correct. fires them. It's very realistic. Uh, and that's that's some yeah. of the training I went through. But I'm thinking for concealed carry holders, one of the things that's missing is scenario training. And this is something you could offer in addition to a concealed carry class if you don't already. I mean, I, I'm not sure. I'll, I'll I, You know, i got to come down and hang out more. Um, but... Um, is that something that you could or would think about incorporating in? Uh, or just as a general course, it's is scenario training. I mean, this is why I loved IDPA. Uh, I was at uh, International Defensive Pistol Association because you learn how to use cover. You, you learn how to draw from a concealed holster. It was realistic as opposed to the, the, the other guys that are, you know, having a gazillion round magazines, you know, standing right in the open, firing away. Um, but it actually makes much more sense to, to do realistic scenarios as part of a competition. Uh, You could do it with paintball pretty well, I think. Go ahead. Yes,
2: I definitely agree with it. Uh, We have been looking at how to set up the facility so that you could do something uh, as such with some munitions. The the questions that that arise with that uh, that you see a lot of times is how, uh, let me just say it this way, how profitable is it? Uh, Mm. You don't typically have a large group of people that actually want to get hit with something. That's the munitions. It'll hurt just the same. Mm. Uh, But you have to have a facility that can contain everything. That's not something we could do outdoors. Um, That is, again, I believe you and I have discussed it, our future efforts to build a larger facility that we can put a CQB in and people can do that stuff, go in room clearing, uh, understand what an attack is going to be like. Uh, and how to get to your weapon, and yes, it has been discussed many times. Um, we just aren't there yet.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is why the potential to be place is, is amazing, and room clearing is another thing that, that I learned in federal law enforcement. Anybody should learn, everybody should learn, if, you, if you're going to carry a gun at home, uh, you, this is how I phrase that, carry a gun at home, that's interesting. Um, but if you do that, you should know how to room clear your own house, and, uh, and that would be uh, something vital if you have intruders you know there's a way to do it that would be would be amazing training for people that they could i mean there's so many different levels of of training that people can get we've got about uh, what 8 minutes left of this hour and then we're going to probably take a little break and i have uh, Dr. Deborah Viglione, who's one of our crusaders of covids coming on right after you we got we got a huge we have a great cast of characters today we got you we got uh, Dr. Viglione, and we have Diane uh, K Warner uh, Diane Warner who's going to do uh, our first um, Election uh, integrity report. So it's going to be a busy day. So we got a few minutes. Tell me anything that we that I haven't asked you that you want to talk about with stand your ground, with uh, defense, with uh, self-defense, anything you want. So uh, I throw it over to you, sir.
2: Well, the fun thing that we added to our arsenal of toys is a um, shall we say flamethrower. thrower? Uh, what? Recently, it's a product oh, created by that <laughs> <laughs> a company called Exothermic Technologies. They have a Great little device that uh, you can use for a number of things uh, mm-hmm. be land clearing uh burning off brush uh, you can use it for a number of things carjacking uh, <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> sorry
0: <laughs>
1: I, no they they actually uh, have that in, in in South Africa they had these special mercedes that would actually have uh, that would throw flames they had these it was like uh like the the batmobile you know and they'd actually have these door. these pipes that would blast out uh, flamethrowing and it it discouraged carjacking a whole lot. So there is a a thought behind my craziness.
2: I would imagine. So it would, it would deter (laughs) me.
1: Um,
2: this thing shoots about 25 to 30 feet. um, Uh,
1: more than we need. And it, it,
2: it goes through about two quarts of gasoline pretty quick. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just a neat little thing to sit there, hear it, feel the warmth of it, watch that flame go out. Um, it, and it gets a lot of smiles and laughs. We've got several videos of people trying it now. Uh, it's just, uh, it's just to get people in there. It's like, hey, who gets to actually do that? It's kind of like going up to Tank Town USA, up yeah. uh, Blue Ridge, Georgia. How many people get to go drive a tank in their life? Well,
1: I've never even yeah. heard of this place. Tell me about. it. I want to go drive a tank. So,
2: just north of Blue Ridge, between Blue Ridge and Blairsville, uh, you're talking a little over an hour north of Atlanta. Okay. Uh, they have a facility that you can spend, I think it's five or $600 or so, and you get to drive a tank on a course, crush cars, and <laughs> there's a
0: can there's fire is the cannon?
2: sort of added we, we, You don't get to the fire gun? that, but you have a fully automatic uh, gun uh, on a turret up there, and you get to fire that as well. Okay, uh, it's cool. A neat little, um, you see people go up there, and you'll see cars parked all over the place, and they're just out there for a weekend having a blast. Um,
1: I intend to go do it myself.
2: I just haven't done it yet because life is so busy, but man, it I is,
1: Yeah, do it. but you just say, you know, bye, hon. I'm going to go drive a tank now. Okay, dear. Have a good time. See you when you get back. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so cool. Well, now, can you, you know, do, be- are you allowed to do or have in the plans in the future? you know, fully automatic fired. If someone wanted to fire an AK-47 or a fully auto uh, M-16, for example, uh, is, that, so is that legal, Florida, to, to have ranges where people can actually try that out? Or do we have to go to Vegas?
3: It is. There are ranges. We, well, you, you mentioned Vegas, so you already know.
1: Yeah. Okay, go ahead, Bianchi. Did you have a point on that?
3: Yeah, there's a, there are ranges that uh, where that can't be done. I think you may mention Vegas, but I heard of one, in that area where uh, you have that opportunity to fire
1: old Thompson uh, machine gun. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to go to Vegas, though, but I do want to fire a Thompson machine gun. <laughs> so, put it back to Jason.
2: Once the range is up and fully functional, we intend uh-huh. to go ahead and get into the Federal Firearms Act uh, weapons that are out there as far as the sound suppressed, the fully auto, the short barrel rifle shotguns for sale, right. as well as have some for rent on the range. It is really neat to go in there, and I, I'm an advocate of it, uh, mm-hmm. to go in there and fire a gun that has a sound suppressor on it, and you can just sit there plinking and, and it's like a BB gun. It's yeah. nice. Uh, you're, you're not encumbered by anything, and you can have these conversations just like we're doing normally without that loud you know, uh, ringing in your ears and the bang damaging any type of eardrums. Uh, so, yes, we do intend to have uh, those weapons for rent there at the facility. I have to stay at the facility because there are people that thought they could come rent a gun and go away
1: for the weekend. No, it's no. not like a call. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I'll tell you what though. I I would love to try it, but I know but the, the biggest reason I wouldn't want to be like a, a, an active, you know, club member in a full auto club is the cost of the ammo is prohibitive. You know, unless unless I get, you know, 10 million listeners here at Action Radio, in which case I might do it. You know, come out every week and go, "Okay, can let me borrow the AK." All right, yeah, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> Which would be great for you. Right.
2: So, yep, that's going to be a real fun segment for hold us. Hold on,
1: Piaki. Yeah. No, go ahead, Jason. No, All I, right, I, okay, apologize, Piaki.
3: I was just it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's a few years late because the city of St. Louis Police Department auctioned off about 25 Thompson's that they had had from back in the day. And uh, that would have been a real good find. Uh,
1: well, see, now we have yeah. a couple of things here. We I've contended that that fully auto is is, is as constitutional as semi-auto is as constitutional as a flintlock. That a gun is a gun. That arms are arms. That you can't make a distinction in law between full auto. You know, it's what you do with it. It's not the gun itself. And that uh, fully auto uh, weapons are covered uh, under keep and bear just as much as derringers. And so we've I've always believed that. In fact, a lot of people I own one. Uh, I don't know, you know, like I said, I'd, I'd use it sparingly just because of the cost of ammunition, but I don't see any distinction in why Why we we have some other than the fact that they brought the Federal Firearms Act in 1934. But that's something that we could change. Um, do you have a feeling, feeling yeah. on full auto for just regular ownership?
2: I, I agree. One more question with
1: for
2: you. Nope, I agree with it. Wholeheartedly to have full autos. Uh, a gun is a gun. Uh, mm-hmm. There again, it just depends on... <clears throat> You know the people, and it doesn't matter what you do; you're still going to have the bad actors anywhere you go. But yeah. it, it's great to have great fun. And I'm sorry if uh, if our government has it, our military has it. For the most part, I agree with the the people having because we're supposed to be a government of the people, for the people,
3: by
1: the people. Yeah, and one more question you might for wanna, you. Go ahead, Panky.
3: You might want to start uh, preparing for the future and have a portion of your store and display, display cases ready for the Star Trek-type phasers because they will be coming out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is the best thing I've heard in a long time. So, so yeah, what about the phasers? You know, When are we going to get those? I want phaser training. Man, I, I have no idea, but
2: <laughs> sign me up.
1: Well, you know, we have some uh, (laughs) legislation, this is great, just before you go, we have some uh, legislation, uh, and one of the bills that we have, it's called the Protection of Hearing Act, uh, because it makes no sense to me that that us law-abiding citizens out here have to go deaf uh, just to save our life. And so this is this is a bill that uh, I'll I'll email it to you after the show. But uh, there are things that just make no sense. And the idea of, of sound suppressors uh, or silences, they say, but I guess the, the suppressor is the correct term. Why should you have to choose between your hearing and your life, uh, or your or, or the hearing of your family and their lives? You know, why can't you have right. a fully suppressed, quiet firearm in your home if you're defending your life? It's your home. Why would that even be an issue for anybody? What do you think? Right.
2: I, I agree with it. I think it's a great thing. As I said, I love shooting them. Um, it, it's, it, when a gun goes off, it's loud. Of course, whenever you're out in the uh, general public and you have to use one, uh, unfortunately, let me say it that way, uh, it's going to be loud. You're going to have your ears ringing. You're going to be disoriented because you don't train like that, for one, uh, but you shouldn't have to train like that. Uh, go ahead and use your muscle memory, train with something that sounds suppressed, and don't damage yourself.
1: You know? Yeah, I do. I, I got a call now. It's not a number I'm familiar with, so it might be my, my next guest. Uh, I'm just going to do a quick phone check here. Uh, so people that call in, I know who you are <laughs> if you've called in before. because that, That's part of the deal here. Uh, any, any closing thing? We've got uh, comments, um, contact information, anything else you want to do in the last little bit here?
2: Well, you can reach us at AndrewGround1776gmail.com. Feel free to call the store at 850-789-1776, and we will be happy to help you any way we can. Our normal store hours are from 10 to 8, uh, seven days a week is what we are scheduled for. So if we can be of any assistance to you, we may not have all the answers, but we can definitely get with you and point you in the right direction to get get your uh, questions answered.
1: Sounds good to me. Okay, I think I know who this is. I'm just gonna do, I have one more thing. I have my, uh, my world's greatest doctors list <laughs> here uh, as well. But uh, um, let me just, I'll check this in just a little bit. Let me play a couple things here. We'll get to our next hour with uh, Dr. Deborah Viglione and her book on uh, COVID-19, uh, All the Things the Manufacturers Didn't Tell You, which would be great fun. So let me play a couple things, and we'll be right back. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, Greg. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Great Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Action Radio, dangerously cool. Okay, so here's one of these, these chances we take, because uh, it's either my hero, Deborah Viglione, or it's a mystery caller, <laughs> unless you're calling in from a new number. Is this Deborah?
4: Yes, it is. I called in from my landline at work.
1: Oh, that's okay. Fine. Can you hear me? Okay. Collection. Yeah, no, we hear you just fine. Yeah, it's it's not a problem at all. It's just kind yeah, of funny. I that, yeah, I
4: figured that my cell phone is kind of hit or miss, so I thought this would be better. Well, I sent
1: you uh, – I, I got a little behind because we have so many guests and I have so much to uh, that I wanted to prepare for today. But we actually have Direct Connect. So if you – and I imagine you do a lot of podcasts and Zooms and things like that. Uh, I send you a Direct Connect uh, and you can actually hook up your, your microphone and headset to the show. Um, do you have that stuff? Because I can send huh. that to you next time. I don't think so. Oh, Okay, let well, gotta get your microphone. Gotta get you all professional. Anyway, um, first of all, let's give you a round of applause here. <laughs> well, you do some amazing? I got buttons. I, you know, I, just, I, I went to school for this. I actually learned radio production, so I have all these buttons on my right side. I got the phone numbers on the left side. Buttons on the right side of my computer screen. I got one hand. I got my right hand on the mouse. I got my left hand on, on, the, on the keyboard to write stuff, and I'm talking at the same time. <laughs> Ooh, this is like the ultimate multitask. That's
4: pretty good. It's like, like the, the DJs that do the spinning and whatever. You know, yeah. The that was things an going. art. Pretty cool. Those
1: people were amazing. Yeah. They queued up the songs. They had another one going. They had to think of the next song. They had to go find their album. They put it on the, they had two turntables, and they go back and forth. Yeah, DJ is a lost art. Pushing a button is not the same thing. Anyway, um, just to give a little history, I first met you at uh, the Medical Freedom rallies. And so for those that uh, uh-huh. missed, especially in the local area in Pensacola, we have Blue Wahoo. Is either Wahoo or Wahoo. <laughs> I'm not sure which. Um, yeah. But Blue Wahoo Stadium. And these were incredible, except for the feedback we got from the microphone, which came back like an echo later. That was, that was wild yeah. trying to talk there. That, was, that frustrating. was exciting. Yeah, no kidding. It wasn't feedback, but it, your voice would come back to you. And, and especially, I'm so ADHD. You throw me off track sometimes. I, it's like a long journey mm-hmm. to find my way back again, um, but those rallies were amazing, and that's where I got to hear from folks like Dr. Judy Mikevitz. Um We had, I think, uh, did Robert Malone? He might have done it. I know Peter McCullough was there. We had no, uh, people. No, Malone,
4: but we had Peter McCullough.
1: Yeah, um, Brian Artist was there in the field. I met him. Uh, ben Marvel. Brian Cole.
4: You know, Brian Cole I look yeah. at back at that, Greg, and I'm just, I'm just amazed.
1: Well, how at did it all come we about? had? How'd you do that? Well, hear that story. It was
4: kind of interesting, um, and and I like to tell this story because I think it gives people hope. Um, but I had been getting, I, I call them vi- visions, but little glimpses. I would just suddenly see the Wahoo Stadium, and you know, full of people, and mm-hmm. it was from the perspective of somebody on the field. And this, it was just little glimpses, just kept running through my head, and I can't remember how many months this may have gone on prior to the rally. And I thought, you know, when it would happen, I'd say, well, you know, I probably need to go to a baseball game because I've only been to maybe a couple and I've been to some events there, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, I thought I had no, I didn't pay it much attention. Well, when, uh, I got called from a doctor who was on the list to be let go by, um, Ascension because he wouldn't take the shot. He said, hey, can we get a group of like-minded doctors together, and let's talk. And I said, absolutely. So we met at a church, and we had probably about 11 doctors there. And we were talking, and we said, well, the main thing we need to do is educate the community about early treatment. You know, because at that time, everything was being so censored. Nobody Uh knew. They thought this was a deadly disease that required hospitalization, and they were all going to die. And they didn't know that there was early treatment. You know, those of us that were treating early, I mean, we, you know, we were swamped with people, but the majority of people didn't realize.
1: how did you find out how did early I know about how'd you early just, treatment? how did you start doing it? Yeah, that's the uh, part because start say, you start know. I
4: actually, I, I looked back and I said, this is, I, I was fortunate to get COVID in January of 2020. A patient who traveled for the whole holiday season in China um, got it and came in here and gave it to me and my nurse. We didn't know it at the time that that's what we had. But we learned through treating ourselves what worked. And so when we realized that's what we had, we said, well, this is ridiculous. And so, you know, I prayed what about it use? and said, I'm going to set up a mask unit. It?
1: Can you tell me how you well, treated it?
4: Yeah, well, what we figured out budesonide. I know Richard Bartlett is the one that gets all the credit for budesonide, but we figured that out. We had a we have a what sample that? closet. And we had all these inhalers. Uh-huh. Um, it is a inhaled steroid. Well, it didn't have to be inhaled, but an inhaled steroid, and that that one worked better for some reason with COVID than some of the other inhaled steroids. And we, we had a sample closet of different inhalers, and so we kept trying different ones. And I said one day to David, I said, you know what, the SimbaCort works better, and that was Budesonide. He goes, yeah, I found the same thing. and. Turns How about an that? An inhaler for steroid.
1: respiratory disease? Isn't yeah, that amazing? yeah, An yeah, inhaler for res? What? What are the chances, right? Gee, you know, no. Let's let's right. let's you know, let's take a, a, a failed Ebola drug, Remdesivir. Um, but yeah, yeah. Yeah.
4: <laughs> so you know, we figured that out, and uh, I'm trying to think of the other thing. But mm-hmm. I had we we have the capability to do IVs here, and. Um, I knew vitamin C in higher doses um, kills viruses. In fact, that was used heavily before antibiotics were discovered. That was the way people treated infectious disease with high-dose vitamin C. So mm-hmm. we started doing IV vitamin C, and about a month into it, um, Dr. Thorpe contacted me and said, um, hey, what about ozone? I heard you do ozone. I said, well, yeah, we used to do a lot of it, because uh, we would treat hepatitis C and the HIV virus with it. But once they had, you know, other treatments for it, um, nobody was really asking for it. So it was sitting collecting dust. And I said, oh, you know, that's a really good idea. Let's get that out. So we started doing vitamin C followed by ozonated saline, and it was just miraculous. And we also, so this- um, at the same time, yeah. uh, Dr. Raul had- and uh, Dr. Zelenko and them were talking about zinc and azithromycin. Now, David and I didn't do any of that because none of that was out. We just figured out budesonide worked, um, and that's basically how we treated ourselves. But, as you know, as the standard of care evolved and people were finding out things, we added more and more to our treatment. But what we found with the vitamin C and the ozone is if we caught people, early-stage disease, they would usually break their fever while they were here or within 24 hours, and they were just done with it, you know, if, they, if we caught it early. Now, unfortunately, most of the people that came in here were a week to 10 days into it, and they were already inside a kind storm, but we did find it effective then as well, but it wasn't as quick to turn around.
1: Yeah, I got a special guest for you in just a second, but uh, um, this is before Dr. Faschus and all the CDC recommendations and, you know, don't do early treatments and the demonization of hydroxychloroquine and everything else. So you're actually, you're treating people pretty much before we knew what COVID was. At that
4: time, um, you know, we were using hydroxychloroquine, but um, you know, he started that. It got worse, but you know, Mm -hmm. one of the reasons we didn't publicize anything we did is I would read early on a doctor in, um, Michigan had been handcuffed and taken out of her office because she was treating with IV vitamin C. And I said, man, and I was probably the only person we were up in Gulf breeze proper and the bridge was out. And I'm probably the only person that was happy to have the bridge out because I figured if they wanted to come and get me, they really had to go to a lot of trouble to find me.
1: Imagine, and, and, and no one ever asked how many, uh, when this doctor was arrested, nobody ever asked, you know, how many patients were successfully treated. They never considered that. It's just right. a, it's the treatment itself that was demonized. Let me bring on uh, one of my uh, best friends of the show here, uh, Dr. Judy Mikovits, who I text before you came on, just in case she had a chance to call in. Judy, how are you doing? Welcome back to the show.
5: Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, Greg. Uh, hey, Deb, how are you?
4: Hey!
5: <laughs>
4: you know, we were using IV vitamin C in the Biological Response Modifiers Program in 1983. That's why do- Dr. Fasher oh. stopped
5: everything in 1984. That was my first book I ever got as a natural products chemist uh, um, vitamin C and cancer. I think everybody knows that's Linus Pauling. I actually have an autographed copy. <laughs> So in our ending plague, we literally have ozone and, and vitamin C, and, and uh, you know that the second part of the book is all how we cured AIDS. A little peptide tea, a little Dallas Buyers Club. <laughs> so have a great time in. in uh, had a great time in uh, Gulf Breeze, uh, showing everybody um, how easy it was. But yeah, you better not do that. I have you have to send Whaler to to go get you, <laughs> with no bridge.
1: <laughs> wow. Hey, listen, we just, I think, uh, Deborah just had to had dropped the call for a second. So we're getting her back as soon as possible, I hope. But, um, actually it's kind of good you're on here, but do you know about her book? Cause I want to get into that as well. This is this new COVID book. Uh, well, oh yeah. Um,
5: I actually, I actually reviewed it. And, um, my, my only problem was, um, it, it was beautiful that Jim Thorpe wrote and everything. I've been reviewing it since I was there back in the other hurricane. And, uh, and it was it's brilliant and um, just the only problem I have with it is every time they write COVID vaccine, uh, they should have written every other untested mRNA vaccine, which means every vaccine is they load them up with mouse, monkey, and manufactured viruses and RNA, mRNA, yeah. not synthetic mRNA, which is an mRNA. That's what yeah. Karen Kingston always says. So. Yeah, so Deb, I'm you got a book early. reviewer. <laughs> you,
1: um, yes, I what am. Am. This, he
4: called me. I didn't hear <laughs> most of that because I got cut off for some reason.
1: Yeah, well, it's probably the FBI <laughs> KGB that we'll happens when I get on the
4: phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: <Hello, Jim. laughs> Piakie, yeah, you want to you jump in here? Go ahead, Piakie.
3: Yeah, they was talking about vitamin C. You know, vitamin C and chicken soup would just about cure anything,
1: including a broken heart. It's just miraculous. Aww. Aww. Well, let me ask uh, Deborah about that because we hear about this all the time. I mean, I, I got a cold. I'll tell you, I, I you know make chicken soup too. What is it? Why is this more medicinal than like ninety percent of the chemical stuff, petroleum-based you know gel cap thing? Why does that work? You no, know, I asked you the same question.
4: You know, I have no idea. Maybe Judy knows, but there there was Let's a study I remember you know a long time ago that said it actually shortened the course and duration of symptoms, you know, with a cold to to do. Well, I always call it chicken noodle soup. I don't know if the noodles are important, but, but yeah, it it really does help. Mm -hmm. But I don't know why. Absolutely. Bone broth. Think about bone broth,
5: minerals.
0: Oh, yeah. Get out
5: of bone. Your bone marrow, stem cells. Yeah, chicken soup's great. You know, you know, cook it, get it nice and hot, get a lot of minerals, get a lot of vitamins from, from good, clean chickens. But I guess we can't do that anymore. Um, either. Sure we can. <laughs> Let me, um,
1: I want to I hear more about the story because all of us have something in common here uh, as far as COVID goes. Like I, I think I had COVID the same time you did, it, uh, Deborah. It went through all of us. Oh, Why don't we I, call I, like, it Moac? What do we call it now, Judy?
5: Call it what? We're calling what we call it Moac, mother, mother of all colds, Moac. It's biblical. Moac.
1: Well, that's interesting. Mother, mother, okay, so I had Mohawk. I had mohack, and I've got the shows it's to a prove
5: cold.
1: it. That's interesting. Um, that's what Pastor
5: I, Rob calls
1: it. Okay, so I had uh, Mohawk. Don't <laughs> the use end their. Of December. Don't use
5: their terms. <laughs>
1: Well that's okay. that's well, we and I just changed a lot of stuff around here anyway. So so I had the same thing uh end of December beginning of uh, January uh December 2019 uh, January 2020 I had this nasty cold I didn't know what it was so a couple of days of uh, rest and I was fine. But I've got a ridiculously good immune system because I was a tour guide in San Francisco for 8 years. So I've been exposed to everybody on the planet. And so uh so I kicked oh. this out of my system pretty quickly with just a little bit of rest. But here's what's interesting. I read the DDR load study and uh, I talked to Judy about this too, uh, Marseille, France. And I said, wait a minute, we've got a treatment for this thing, or as I call it, a cure. You doctors don't use that word, I do. So I said, this stuff can be cured. We don't, we don't need a vaccine. Who I is do. this evil little man, Dr. Fascist? You know, and so my story was the same. We all sort of were doing this separately. This is what I'm curious, uh, Deb and, and Judy's story. But um, my, I reported March 2nd of, of 2020 that uh, chloroquine kills COVID. You know, it's too, we, you don't need a vaccine for something that's already here. It takes 10 years to get one anyway. This makes no sense. So guess uh-huh. what happened to me? I was immediately censored, all right? So I'm right with you guys. And oh, we, yeah. all kinda came to, we all kind of came together in, in Pensacola uh, for this very first medical freedom rally. And, um, and uh-huh. that's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Deb, back well, to you. Yeah, so, uh, I
4: look back to that, and I'm just amazed at what we were able to, we actually put it together in nine days. Uh Um, you know, I felt like the Lord was calling me to do it. Well, the, the interesting thing going back to the, the little visions I was seeing of the Wahoos. So we were meeting and they said, let's get a church and let's invite people there. And immediately the Wahoo stadium popped into my head and I said, no, I think we're supposed to rent the Wahoo stadium. They looked at me like I was nuts. They said, (laughs) look, we'll be lucky to get 30 people there. You know, that place holds thousands. And I said, there's going to be thousands there. They thought I was crazy, but I wouldn't back down. And how do you they you "Fine."
2: <laughs> how do you do that?
4: Uh, yeah, well, here's the deal. They go, you see what you can do. So I had no idea what I was going to do. Well, the next day in clinic, I get a new patient, and I don't know how she got through the system because I don't have new patient availability anymore. Anyway, so she was a new patient, and I asked about, well, what do you do? She says, I work for the Blue Wahoo Stadium. I got chills from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, and I said – so then I tested where she was politically and on this whole thing, and she was right along with me, and I said, look, this is what I need, and she goes, I'll arrange it. I mean, it was crazy, and we had thousands there. No, it's not. It's actually very
1: logical. You know, if if, uh, if, yeah. if it's, uh, you know, we're being all washed over nicely. So this is, this is huge. Um, but yeah, it, it's fascinating that the, the freedom believers are also the strongest God believers. And so you, you think of this as, uh-huh. that was no coincidence. That that was, that was part no, of the deal.
4: No, that was yeah. absolutely God. We threw this together. And I also didn't know anybody, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, I knew of duty. I knew of these people, but I had no contacts for any of them, you know, mm-hmm. and then to have all those people there because God put it in my lap, you know, different people I knew, had their numbers and I called them and we were able to do this. It was crazy, but it wasn't crazy because it was got.
1: Well, exactly. And this, and you can talk about that freely on the show. We do all the time. Judy, how'd you meet Deborah? How'd how'd you guys get connected?
0: Uh,
5: I think she either texted or called me one day. Most people know I kind of randomly just answer whoever calls me. (laughs) She (laughs) asked me to come to that meeting and, um, um, I, I I could only come on by Zoom because uh, you know I was uh I was I was dealing with um well let's say today's That's the okay. anniversary yeah. of the of the martyr of my husband so um,
1: oh I am so sorry I had no idea so I would have texted you otherwise I you could, know and...
5: I couldn't get to the first event because of the events of the, these these few weeks around Thanksgiving where they. Carried out their threat that they gave me uh us eleven years late earlier when when I got out of jail you know held there for going after Tony Fauci the cultist you know the the thought police you know so they fabricated uh-huh. everything we now know in our books. so you know I met them because I answered the phone and I said yeah that's a great idea and I'd been you know my brother was in Florida and I'd been um. You know, this was before the Save a Generation tour or anything. She just, you know, we've I've been introducing doctors to doctors, doctors in California, doctors in Colorado, trying to get people to help. Realizing what we just talked about, it's so simple to fix it. Look, all you need is biological response modifiers. All you need is frontline PAX immune, All you need is ozone. All you need is look, it's it's nothing. Uh-huh. And so um, I just, but and and we talked about it. I just, you know, I answer answered the call. It's it's kind of a God thing. No no, uh, um, uh, you know no no surprise there that God put us in a great place. And she had such a fabulous uh, so we de- we decided nobody everything was so heavily censored a couple of weeks ago at the anniversary eleventh eleventh anniversary of uh, of um, my arrest false arrest by Tony Fauci. Yeah, by that federal uh-huh. warrant. So now everybody sees people being put in jail or murdered for, you know, or suicided. Uh-huh. So you know the, the who's and whys. And you know, I sh- you know, she knew of our work or some of my talks, and she just said, "Come here." And we finally made it. I finally mm-hmm. got there. And uh-huh. I mean, her the medical read, she um, had, Yeah,
4: yeah Deborah, go ahead. I had read that, and and it, the cool thing is, um, I started in. Complementary medicine in the early '90s what's because that? of the chronic fatigue syndrome. Well, where you you look at nutraceuticals, you look at the root cause of illness. You don't just throw drugs, pharmaceuticals at people. You know, you mm-hmm. try to find out what's what's dysfunctional in the body and and treat it as naturally as possible. But um, you know, I had gotten thrown into this because all these people with chronic fatigue, immune dysfunction syndrome. And uh, her description of it in her book is, is exactly what I was seeing. I mean, people that couldn't get out of bed, you know, it, it was crazy. And so I was struggling through that at the same time she was figuring out the answers. And, and I remember when they she came out with the XMRV, and then it just disappeared. And I was like, why haven't I seen anything more about it? Well, Tony Fauci freaking threw her in jail. That's why. Yeah. And then she exactly. had a gag order on her for the next five years, right? So that so book came out at the crazy. end of the Yeah, because I was like, wow, this goes way, way back. You know, before we even met each other, before COVID, I said God connected me spiritually to Judy a long time ago. Right, and I
5: heard I heard Joe Ladapo a couple about I don't know about a month ago he came to our church God speak in Thousand Oaks. Um, you know, no, no accidents there with Amy Bond Perk, you know, getting these laws changed here in California for our education for our children. And so he came a couple of weeks and he gave a talk in church and he talked about institutional memory and, and how it's uh-huh. lost and how they're going to consensus science. And I said, Oh my God. And I, and I met and, and I said, you have no idea what XMRV is. So 12 years out. which is basically two generations of medical students. They've canceled an entire field of science, taken all the data and recreated it as your own body doesn't know how to function and attach yourself. Literally took 40 years of Frank Crescetti's TGF beta. and, and, And instead of using all we developed to heal by modulating TGF-beta with the endocannabinoid system. It's the on-off switch of the blood stem cell, meaning send the fire truck to the fire, there's an, in, an infection. You know, it's the flame. It's inflammatory. You put the flame out. A cytokine storm that vaccine court said for 30 years, there's no such thing. It doesn't leave the injection site. You know, I'm not clairvoyant. I've endured this torture of this fraudulent literature. For you know, for my entire life since 1984, when 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 people were dying like flies with with HIV in 1983, all Tony Fauci and Cliff Lane wanted to do was be on the Tonight Show. Men are dying uh-huh. and they want to be famous. Manipulate the press, institutional memory uh-huh. at the level. Have me jailed, shackled. Um. You know, hands and feet, five days, threaten me, try to get me to Epstein myself, threaten my husband. Did you put this ridiculous apology? I made a mistake. I told Tony Fauci to go fuck himself. And, <laughs> you know, no, you know, that ain't where's, happening. Where's my bleep button? Oh, you know? so sorry. Let me, let, me,
0: uh,
1: <laughs> let me just hold you up for a second, Judy, because you're amazing. But I want to... Uh, um, The connection. Now, now did you, Deborah? did you find out that um, this network, uh, like Judy's been doing this work for decades, uh, that that you were just, you know, practicing medicine, doing your thing, and all of a sudden, you know, you you, you came upon some treatments that worked, and and then all of a sudden, when did you meet, like, everybody else? Uh, Did you know who to call for the the rallies? And I want to get into your book. Did did you, uh, uh, like, connecting with folks like Judy who have been doing this for years and years? I was just
4: following things as they they came out, you know. uh, I guess I can't even tell you what news sources because obviously the trusted news initiative kept it off the mainstream but you know different things like Substack and um Epic Times and the different things wire. came out and so I was high wire yeah I was just following what came through and so I knew who the big players were didn't have their contact, but I knew a couple – well, I guess it was about three different doctors that happened to know one person who then would know somebody else. And so I got their phone numbers and just called them. And, it you know, like have- Christina Northrop was one. She hasn't right. actually been at our rally, but she's somebody i followed. followed. Her books early on got me into the whole hormone thing. So, you know, I knew of her. And you kind of – well, I guess just if you're into – this kind of medicine, you know, most people have written books or articles, and so I'd read them, and I knew who who the names were. But, like, Peter McCullough, I mean, he is the biggest convert ever. I mean, he was majorly yep. into the academic institution, completely indoctrinated into all of that and the left-wing hmm. um, theology. And, you know, and he starts saying, something's wrong here. You know, and started asking questions, and he's become our – our champion of the movement. But, you know, he started out, uh, you know, completely in the Tony Fauci arena. You know, so it's awesome how the that is. And, and that's changed. what we talk about. That's what we talk Vegetative. about, Deborah, when
5: when I realized the lineages, because you're right. He was the biggest convert. They wouldn't even talk to me. They wouldn't even talk to me. Yeah. It's like, it's almost like I was cooties and I was radioactive. And if they talk to me, uh-huh. then they're on that. Because and I talk about it in terms of scientific lineages. So you're and uh-huh. I and I, I learned this also when I went to Dr. Malone's home just just a couple of months ago on October 9th and met him. And I and I and he told me his lineage: David Baltimore, Inder Verma, Fauci, Gallo. Oh, he's in the cult of scientism. I'm Howard Temin, Luke Montagnier, Frank Ricetti. Um, That's natural God immunity, and you go where the data goes. You don't bias it. You know, it's just straight-up science, God science, the way it's supposed to. To be done, um, not uh-huh. putting a, an opinion and patenting something that's not of nature. So it's 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 and, and once I learned the lineage, I sat for about five minutes of, with him, and he's insulting me on the radio. You know, using my name just because he uses it. And I said, you have no idea who I am or what an uh-huh. MRV do you? And he said, well, of course. And I said, didn't you see? And, and and he said no, I have no idea what an XMRV is. And and he said what XMRVs are is a better way to say it. And and I said didn't you see Plandemic? And he said yeah, that was a long time ago. And when I went back and looked at Plandemic, I realized I only said eight. So the word you can't say is XMRVs. You can't say xenotropic, mouse monkey, or manufactured mRNA. You know that's what's causing uh-huh. cancer urine leukemia viruses, oops, they came right out of contaminated blood supply and, and um, uh-huh. contaminated vaccines because Tony Fauci said women could not get HIV. And the number one wow. cause of death in, the 20, in 2021 is HIV AIDS. Because they just kept on giving blood. He called, them, he called them crazy, called it chronic fatigue syndrome.
0: You're lazy,
5: you're crazy. In the 80s, couldn't be anything worse. And he popped them right over into the National Institute of Neurodevelopmental Disease and Stroke, as if you were born that way. Yep, no resources uh. there. Nothing to see here, folks. Go home. That crazy Dr. Judy Mikovits just made up this. It went over Good Morning America, XMRV, all hoax. We caught the problem. And then, of course, the false arrest, you know, November 18, 2011. Yeah. By the time they, they twist the news media, you're done.
3: They done a uh, they done a movie on that called A Band Played On. That's
5: right. And we yeah. talked about it in every one of my lectures in our book. They've done in the Dallas Buyers Club. That's what I told everybody uh, in Mannheim last month. They said, hey, you know what? We don't care what you say, Tony. We don't care where it came from. We don't care where you release it. You know why? Cured AIDS a long time ago. Band played on. Here you go. You want, you want Celebrex. You want Genvoya. You want Truvada. You want these AIDS drugs you hand out for free. You know what they are? They're oral vaccines. They stop the transmission of HIV. You put HIV in all those shots you all those shots for 30 years, yeah. and all we need is a little vitamin C, and Deb got it.
0: <laughs> so, you yeah, all for have Bye-bye. We do what you, do. you, you, what you say. What you do, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: Let me hold you up for a bit. Yeah, Judy, i got to give you your own hour again. i got to get you back on just uh, just you and me so we can talk more about this. Um, I'm really curious, though, <laughs> about the, 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 the pharmaceutical side of this, the Pfizer, Moderna. I'm curious because I don't know. I, I'm, you haven't sent me my book copy yet. No, I'm just teasing you. But, um, Deborah, w- what did you discover in the pharmaceutical side? What's it, What did the industry, let's get you right to your book. What are they not telling us? You know, now we got the background here.
4: Well, I think it became very clear when the, um, for the Freedom of Information Act, we were able to get the Pfizer data. I mean, they lied. They lied outright about the trials on it. They had um, 1,223 deaths in the Pfizer trial, but we were told it was 95% safe and effective. I mean, that, that right there. They, they, they falsified the data. They manipulated mm-hmm. it. They lied you know and i mean and now fauci and those guys are saying we never said it was safe and effective we never said it would prevent transmission you can pull up the videos the news reports i mean they said it right and left i mean that's the main thing but um uh that you know you can look at uh the the book starts out basically hitting you with the data okay. um the real data the, yep. the VAERS data about, you know, the, all the vaccine reactions, all the deaths, the the data coming out of the Department of Defense, you know, all the incidents. Like, for instance, there were 50,239 deaths within 14 days of a COVID vaccination in Americans over 65. Wow. You know, so it's keeping you up front with the real statistics, and then it takes you into more of the the science and and you know, what's going on, and, and eventually ends up with, well, why, who are these people? Why would they do this? You know, what is the big agenda? Why would they want we to We spent 18 weeks
1: asking that question, you know, because you've both been on, uh, Judy, a whole lot, um, been on our 18-week, uh, you know, World's Greatest Doctors panel. And this is the question I still have. Other than profit, other than the fact they have no soul, these people are, are, are psychopaths, really, and this is what they look like to me, power-hungry bureaucratic psychopaths. Why would they do this? They knew what they were doing would kill people, and they don't care. They're still pushing they the vaccines on kids. Uh, pushing, uh, well, excuse that's me, Jabs. You know. Okay.
4: The world economic so what's the agenda? forum. They have to reduce the birth rate and increase the death rate because they want to get the population size down. Because they keep giving you this false data that we're going to be overpopulated and our resources are going to run out. And then mm-hmm. they do things like climate manipulation so that our crops fail and our, and our livestock fail to initiate a famine and it's nothing about there's too many people it's these evil people manipulating you know the the environment and you know and like holding up all of the shipments that came in from other countries in california so things went bad they're creating famine they're creating fear um and they're you know they, they want to knock off the population but they want people to believe that we're overpopulated
0: like
5: yeah, they want, you know, right. and this is so part of what the shots.
4: It's all a big PSYOP.
5: It's all about you poisoned our environment. They got to a tipping point where it's so poisoned. We are in trouble with, you know, geoengineering yes. and, and all of this. So they poisoned it. Um, and uh, they just fabricated Pre-made everybody. You'll never know what happened. Play Spanish War all over again. Just keep replaying the records uh-huh. because that's what they were doing. And they're culling certain populations. They're culling the gays. Uh-huh. They're culling the blacks. Uh-huh. They're culling women. They're sterilizing women. That's their game. That, and and they're perfectly uh-huh. liable. They want because the only way to get doctors, great doctors like uh, Deb and you know Jim Thorpe, Ben Marble, met them all down there. Man, what a great place in in Niceville, Pennsylvania. You know, we had such a great scientific interaction. We're all talking to each other. We're looking. Ryan Cole, I can't remember how many fabulous people you brought in, and we just sat in a room and showed the data. No good doctor. No doctor would work. You know, we, we're passionate about saving lives and how easy it is to heal. So they had to convince you it's something else totally and vilify everybody. Make it go away. It's, it's immediate. It's a psyop. Like, it's the band played on. When you watch that uh, over again or um, even Dallas Buyers Club, you see they just planned it. And you can walk through the scientific literature and see it. And and it just we just have to change the whole system. No more media. No more opinions in science. It's data. No more FDA. No more CDC. Anybody with an MD degree, no licenses, and an agreement with a client can treat them any way they want with a signature.
1: Oh, you just named five bills I want to work on. <laughs> we'll get to that in a little bit. I want to talk about some of the things we do. But, Deb. Uh, when when you first had contact with uh, Dr. Fascist you know, indirectly, um, and they started issuing their recommendations, which they were really orders that people followed as orders. That were really now they're saying, well, these are just recommendations; you didn't have to do it. How how did how would that affect your practice? How did that, uh, especially when uh, they were basically mandating that people die by not getting early treatments and all these things? How did how did that process work with you?
4: Well, I. You know, the Lord basically wouldn't let me talk. I wanted to, When Simone Gold had her little group on the, you know, Capitol Steps. I wanted to be one of them, and he just kept telling me, nope, you sit here and you treat people, and he brought people to me. I mean, I word of mouth spread, and so I was just in the trenches treating this whole time, and it wasn't until the Freedom Rally that he allowed me to come out, and I think it was because... And I kept telling Jim, I said, if I go down, there's nobody around here doing this. I said, I have to be able to treat people. You know, so we kind of stayed under the radar so that we could treat people um, because we didn't know what would have happened. You know, because, I mean, I tell people now, I said, the things that I do, well, one of the things that's been vilified forever is, iv chelation which means What's that? your um chelation means basically a claw you're actually pulling something out so the chelation we do pulls out heavy metals well they have been effective in reducing aging and particularly cardiovascular disease and that has been vilified in fact they've taken doctor's licenses away for doing that well now guess what we're finding out that it will help destroy these hydrogels that are protecting these components of the vaccine that it may it dissolve the dyna beads that went in with the shot, and it may in fact pull the graphene oxide out so you know, you look at this and you say, "Wow, you know they've planned this for so long, but the things that I do in my office um they don't like any of it, so you know any little mistake <laughs> I make, they could you know come in and take me off like they did, Judy." So, you know, I I have a kind of tightrope I have to walk to make sure that I stay in business so I can help people.
1: Judy, did you find that across the country with doctors, that, uh, that we really have two it's- medical systems? Judy?
5: Exactly. And we found that all the way back in 1983, Biological Response Fire's Farm, Dallas Fire's Club, that's who we were. We were the underground railroad. I just put my fireman's hat on and I drive ivermectin around California, around the world. <laughs> I got I got the hydroxychloroquine. Yeah. I got the like I said, I got the AIDS drugs. They work. The highly yeah. active, they uh-huh. advertise them on TV every night. They work. They're an oral therapy for HIV. Don't test anybody for anything. You're killing them unless you give them an antibody test and prove they're immune. So yeah, we saw that in the '80s. You know, and all we did was just drive it around. I don't care what the FDA says. I'm a PhD. I don't license. That's what I said. These things go away. We know how we fixed it before. Fauci was never going to stop murdering them then. You know, so it all ended. Why hasn't isn't this it? man
1: been it's stopped? Like,
5: go? Judy, why hasn't
1: this huh? man been stopped? What's- Doctors across the country and across the world know he is probably one of the most dangerous people since the Holocaust. Why hasn't this man been stopped?
5: because that's who's running the Holocaust of 2020. Okay. The whole system, the world order. We, the people, have to stop them. We, the doctors, and that's why I'm so, um, you know, blessed by Deb and Jim Thorpe and Ben Marble, because they stood there and they said, "Uh uh-uh, the buck stops here. We're treating you. You know, and just as we did before, we weren't going to let those two young men die. They're standing side by side. The one's AIDS patient thin, AZT poisoned. The other, I mean, we know what AZT, this is why I'm screaming about, you know, remdesivir and Paxlovid, or ivermectin and cerumin, purinergic modulators, your God-given purines, the base pairs that make up your DNA. All they do is poison them with cyanide and fluoride and call it remdesivir and Paxlovid. So red beer is the worst. Uh-huh. It's got cyanide and fluoride. And all you have to do is look at the chemistry, but they don't teach the chemistry. So then people like McCullough and Malone and Corey and, you know, people that don't learn that it's not their fault. So they're like, well, it's horse-based, you know, and then they get themselves in trouble because if they don't know the base pairs that make up the DNA, oops, you could be criminally charged for, for not knowing. And then, and then they pit the scientists. And that's why, why, why I love Deb and Jim's book and what they've been doing is uh, Jim Thorpe on the high wire a few weeks ago literally stopped Dale Tree and said no, I want to make a statement. New England Journal of Medicine, Lancet, JAMA, science, nature, criminally fraudulent literature. This is propaganda yep. masquerading as science. Yep.
0: And the book is beautiful.
5: It well, tell me so about quick, it. As, let's, as, let's do a book review as, right now. Well,
1: we got As the author said, on the
5: line. With, she, she blessed me with it and gave it to me electronically to read it. And it just walks through exactly what she said, what they're mm-hmm. seeing, how many, the actual data, who's really dying, what they're not telling you. And they only talk about COVID. And my, my only criticism is just write all the vaccines because they've all been <laughs> doing
0: it. Well, yeah. Well that's now
1: yeah. that's an interesting point. Uh, Deborah, do you offer any kind of vaccine anymore?
4: In my clinic?
1: Yeah, yeah. Or is that something you can talk about?
4: How about oral no, I I'm I'm done with I'm done with anything that I don't know what's in it. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, you're, you're not, your not immunization
0: strategy,
5: your immunization strategy is exactly what you need to stop transmission. Hydroxychloroquine is an immune uh-huh. therapy. It's an oral vaccine. We're going back oral vaccines, the AIDS drugs, the highly active, not AZT, the ones they made after they killed everybody with AZT. Oh, so all of a sudden the drugs become safe and and all of a sudden it's like, well, because it was a miracle. It worked all along. No, you did it the way you were supposed to do it. You paid attention to the half-life and didn't use the wrong dose at the wrong time and and kill people like the hydroxychloroquine trials in JAMA, the the criminal fraud. Use it at the wrong time, the wrong dose, and the wrong person—it's not going to go well for you, and it becomes dog shit. And you just publicize all the negative <laughs> data. So, I'm <laughs> dropping bombs here on my
1: show today. Um, let me. So, I, you know, know, this is what uh, they done—the
5: done same game plan. If you keep doing the same game plan, and people don't wake up, so the book's brilliant because it shows you the truth, and that's the great opportunity of COVID. Everybody figured it out. Now somebody says monkeypox and you're like, you're kidding me, right? You know, you know, the vaccine, the polio vaccine
0: introduced
5: RSV into humans. It comes from monkeys. Oh, and people are starting to wake up because of books like that. When you say it simply, yeah, we got, we got HPV in humans on contaminated albumin that we put in foods. And so Deborah did exactly the right thing. If I can't read and I don't know any free ingredients, nobody's getting it in my practice anymore.
1: Yeah. That's, right. uh, I love that everything's coming together. Um, Pianki had a question. Then I want to get back to Deborah. I want to find out a couple of these ingredients, and then I want to, see, I want to do a few minutes on, on our solutions, which we always like to do. Pianki, you, you had a question for, for Deborah or Judy?
3: Yeah, I remember when I was a kid, we'd done oral, uh, drop a little oral stuff for polio, uh, I guess, prevention. But I going to ask you a question. You, y'all, y'all talked about the population control. What do you think about these shootings that's going on in these major cities like Chicago? I mean, when you talk about 5,000 shot, and seemingly the government doesn't do anything tangible that can help prevent that, do you think that this is also a part of a scheme to get rid of segments of the population, especially in certain areas?
4: Yeah, I, I do, but I think it's also – to um get the gun control that they want if they disarm us they can do whatever they want and so it's to you know create the fear you know these are these are psychopath people but i you know I, i it's all conjecture but yes i believe they're taking people who are mentally unstable and they're paying them and um you know, getting them to do these things. I don't think this is just spontaneous. I don't know about you, Judy, but I think there's something behind it. Oh, I'm I'm going to go and show and tell you it's even worse. I'll
5: show you every single major killer was vaccine injury. What made them mentally unstable, psychosis, you know, um, Wow. The, the people have seen the violence of a violent teenager well, we're with, some news with here. a brain on fire. <laughs> their their brains on fire. Yeah. Inflammation of the brain. So the shots are causing. This yeah. is what they said we couldn't replicate. That XMRVs existed and they were associated with prostate cancer, but they didn't cause somebody to have PTSD. Come home from the military and shoot their family. PTSD is vaccine injury, AIDS, an acquired endocannabinoid immune dysfunction. Yeah, they're causing it. Adam Lanza had chronic Lyme disease, as did his mother, ignored as chronic fatigue syndrome. You're crazy. There's no such thing as chronic Lyme disease. No, that's Borrelia. That's that's a bacteria in the vaccines that causes neuroborreliosis. Your brain's on fire. And and they name all these stupid diseases, oh, long COVID or short COVID, you know, the bystander effects. I mean, this stupidity. Um, All the FDA needs to do is target drugs to molecular pathways, yes. XMRVs, mRNA vaccines, change your behavior. They can program your brain with those poisons, and they've done it for 30 years, and they're killing everybody. And, I mean, every one of these kids, oh, look, all of these shooters are teenagers, heavily vaccinated, and they all got the Walmart shooter. Oh, they don't know. He just one day walked in and shot everybody. Yeah, that vaccine had his brain on fire. Just like PTSD in the eighties It we
1: proved We need to explore this further uh-huh. because this is this is we're breaking some news here and Deborah. I don't know how familiar you are with this, but I never made the connection. We've been uh, I've been cataloguing people that died suddenly and they said when they said there's no you know, mysterious death we haven't figured out what it is yet. Irene Kara just died. Uh, and then Josie, one of our reporters, told me that she'd had bragged about getting the, the COVID shot, you know, six months ago. Uh, we uh-huh. lost a very good friend of mine, Dr. Peter Pride, uh, who had the COVID shot and his kidney cancer came roaring back and he's gone. He died in August. Oh. Huge loss for me, a personal friend of mine. Uh, so this directly affects me personally. Uh, and so, but I never made the connection between the rising crime rates. Now, we did this before. I've done, I've done shows on, on, on the, um, the, the antidepressant drugs, you know, going back to Columbine. Those had a huge effect on the kids.
0: Uh-huh.
5: So
1: let's, let's put them together. And right. why do so we give those? They yeah, give
5: well, let the
1: Yeah, okay. They
5: started with the ADHD. So they get them sick when their brain's on fire. They just get those child, those infant vaccines that destroy their innate immunity. Oh, and their brain's on fire and they can't make antibodies. They can't make the right antibodies. They make autoantibodies. They attack their cells. Yeah, if you're attacking yourself long enough, you'll you'll hurt somebody.
1: <laughs> so this is fascinating, uh-huh. and, and Deborah, I don't know if you if you if you did this or do you see this in your practice or but if you combine because you know, you know you've got high school kids all around. Uh, uh, Gulf Breeze, where you are, but uh, as everybody does, you know, and wherever they're living. But did you or have you studied or got a connection between uh, antidepressants, Ritalin, drugs like that, ADHD drugs, and then combine that on top of a COVID jab, which has things like graphene oxide and some of the other things that you mentioned? Do you see a, a cumulative effect? And is that something you can treat?
4: Um. Yes. Well, I don't. I don't know. The more they do, the harder it is to treat. But you can go back okay. and look at the autism rate, you know, okay. and and how it's skyrocketed. That's your brain on fire, you know. Oh. And then it's a spectrum. So your ADHD, all these drugs, you know, it all goes back to these uh, vaccines that they're giving when you're an infant and your brain is not fully developed. And you know, they just keep increasing the amount. I don't generally treat children i have done some with autism but you know you just look at the statistics it's terrible and it's affecting i would say almost one out of two is going to have some kind of issue with attention deficit or something uh, you know and then there's all the behavioral problems you have in schools now too
1: is there a control yeah, group think, anywhere people that haven't had vaccines
4: behavioral
1: go ahead judy
5: mass shootings from a teenager is a behavioral problem
1: okay right so, there, so what we really need is uh, is some kind of report, news reports. It's got to get out in the, in the conservative press that they're looking at the wrong things. They're looking at teenage violence, the availability of guns, you know, things like that. Of course, people are stealing them, uh, and they're obviously using them illegally. Uh, but no one's really I – don't, I don't hear a focus on this in the news, even on the, the decent conservative news stations talking about the connection between um, these ADHD drugs, um, antidepressant drugs, uh, the COVID jabs. You know, having a cumulative effect and the increase in violence and increase in crime. That's not even talked about. It's really
4: scary because if you think about what the other vaccines have done up to this point and now, you know, that they're going after our children with these COVID shots, I I shudder to think of what the brain on fire, the consequences we're going to see after this if they survive.
1: Well, all I can say is that, you know it's almost like the zombie apocalypse was like the precursor for what they're trying to create in, in reality. Um, let me bring on uh, Diane Warner, who's going to be doing our report in the next hour on election integrity. This is a busy Thursday. Okay, well, like before it.
4: that, you haven't told people what the book is. So oh, I, I thought I did. Oh, no.
1: My apologies. Beyond. Okay, yes. give, give all the information you want on the book. It. Yeah, go ahead. All the information you want on the book, and let's take to uh, that. My apologies to you, Deborah. Please go ahead.
4: Okay, yeah, it's COVID-19 vaccines and beyond what the medical industrial complex is not telling you, and it's available on Amazon. And Sally Saxon, we got to put a plug for her. She's a retired okay. attorney in Santa Rosa Beach, and she's the one that started all of this and, and did the research and put put the data together in one place. And then, of course, Jim and I had to help her with, you know, the accuracy and the medical things and all that. But and and did a yeah, lot of editing. Those, but
5: who you knows Sally Sacks yeah. when you read the books because she did a fabulous job. We've got, I mean, the medical guys are getting it, but we need the lawyers to show it to us. And they can see it in the vaccine court, in the criminal, with the kids, with Paul Thomas. The lawyers can really see who's getting sick. Sally Sack did a great job. Yeah, I, I'm sorry I did not yeah, mention the that. The book's
4: from the perspective of uh, she's presenting the data to a jury, and the jury can make the decision based on what's presented. So it's an interesting take on it. And then and, and Judy's right. We have to get the legal system on our side. And you know, that's one thing uh, Coffee and Covid and Jeff Childers have been instrumental in helping out with that as well. He's so fun. I mean
5: this is what so much. Fun he is, about he's he's hilarious.
4: We people who Yeah haven't yesterday
5: Yeah they're really fun. Yeah. yeah, I
1: feel like uh, – I think I owe an apology, too. I think we kind of short-changed the book a little bit, and we'll make sure that we get uh, all the information on that. Uh, you're welcome back. You know, come well, back anytime. and we Johanna, can talk more about
5: it. Johanna Mazul is, is listening from Switzerland, um, oh, wow. and she's a literary agent. And so I'm, I'm going to tap her Deb's contact right after the show, right up in a well, the minute here, uh, because we'll get it in, in – um, in our shop and what you know, and we'll change everything we'll get it in get healthy store we'll get it to, out to the world so um
1: yeah, it's a awesome. fabulous well, there you go in that case <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll retract my previous statement we get it, carried away here the data in yeah. one place yeah,
4: you know that that's the beauty <laughs> of it because we've all seen you know different webinars and and papers, but it's all collated in one area. So it's such a, a great resource for people, especially when they're starting to wake up. You know, you can, you, they can go there and read it and, and you know, plow through it. But it's, it's also we try to instill hope because, you know, just the latest that we found at EDTA chelation along with vitamin C may help pull some of this stuff out of you. You know, we're, we're working on it all the time, trying to figure out a way to undo what this has done.
1: Yeah, Judy's talked about that too a bunch of times too. It's, it's fascinating that people think once you get the jab, that's it, and it's not it. And there's only the other things that uh, that we can do. Um, so, where, what is the book design? I mean, i, I got the idea, but what, what, what can be accomplished with the book? Where, where can we? How can we advance? How can we solve problems? What can we change?
4: Well, I think the biggest thing is is waking people up, helping them understand sure. what's going on, so that. That, one, they don't take any more injections, and they don't buy the next round of whatever they're going to do. Right. And um, we can work on changing the system. Once we get everybody on board that the system's broken and, and it's really not for us, it's against us, then we can, you know, work on changing the system, which I know you're trying to do with your citizens' legislature. We've got to do something.
1: Well, let's talk about that real briefly here. And then, uh, like I said, we have other reports. This is so great. This is why we do three-hour doctor panels. This is why we did this for 18 weeks because once we get going on all these fascinating topics, it's, it's hard to, uh, to keep us on track. Uh, but there's two bills, and you both know about it. Judy has been unbelievable in getting the message out. So I'm going to talk to her real quickly. The two bills, which we've been over a number of times, one would stop big tech. Uh, from censoring everybody by making the liability conditional. So in other words, they have no—they're—they're they're immune from anything anybody posts. Uh, and and uh, but if they touch what you post, if they touch your account, or if they arrange the search engine results, anything beyond the raw number of hits, then that liability immunity goes away and they can be sued. That's the first bill. Second bill is very simple. It puts full product liability on big pharma, and it does it by changing a couple of places in law where it says that uh, they shall not be liable and takes out the word not. And I said they shall be fully liable. So those two, Judy, do you have a little progress report right. on that, and see if what Deborah's uh, if he has any news on that as well. Judy, what's going on with the people you're talking to around the country with those two bills?
5: Um, well, in fact, I, I'm I'm going to reach out to Amy Bon of PERC because she's had such success in the California legislator doing it, you know, trying to do it the old-fashioned way, and, mm. and I'm going to see if we add. I'm going to see if we can add, you know, write your laws and get the the. A huge amount of people working there here in California and they're changing the laws with with perks so I was going to say hey let's hand everybody these things and say write your laws and send them to your sway we'll hit them from every angle so
1: yeah well they can be done at the state level you know you can put product liability at the state level and you could end big tech censorship you can make them sue so- oh that's perfect that's great um, anything that's happening so in Florida same. with that that's thank Judy thank you so much it's amazing what you do um, yeah. Deborah anything happening in Florida with that that you know, or, or have you had any contact? You know, I, or, really, uh...
4: I don't really know. I, you know, I'm still in the trenches,
1: <laughs> you okay. know,
4: treating people, and I've been working on this book since summer, so, you know, I'm kind of out of it.
1: How is it writing a book for you? The, the, it's an interesting, I've written one myself. It's an interesting process. It,
4: it, well, you know, for me it was most – I mean, I added things to it, but a lot of it was just, you know, editing and, you know, correcting things. Um, but, yeah, every night – I'd go home from work and work on it for several hours. So, yeah, it's it's been crazy. I can't imagine. I think Sally's worked on it for a year, you know, trying to put all this together. So it's, it's crazy. I'm but now familiar. I'm inspired. I'm going to do two more. I'm going to do okay. another book. I'm going to um, interview more. the doctors from the Freedom Rally, the local okay. ones, mm-hmm. and tell their story and how we came about to do that. Because I think it will be a neat read and it will be a nice historical Book to have to show how we came together and and fought back.
1: You know what you can do if if you're interested. Uh, you may want to talk to them privately for for information. But if you want to have have people come on the show right here and you could you could share information immediately. That maybe that inspires some different things. You know, feel free to bring any doctor you want uh, if you want to do some some more with us here at Action Radio. There's an option for you.
4: Cool. cool. Well, you know, yeah. there's all. We're still under persecution because, you know, Peter McCullough just had his board certification taken away, and it's the same Mm -hmm. board that I am, so I applied to another board. Um, I haven't heard yet, but I don't see that I won't be accepted because once that happened to him, I said, well, he wrote the back cover for our book, so, you know, they're going to come after me and take away mine. (laughs) So there's still some, you know, consequences if people come, you know, out of the closet, and a lot of people are still employed.
1: Okay, um, so so you know, yeah, okay, so forget that so. idea then. Um, here's the question I have for both yeah. uh, Judy, Judy and Deb, and I'll, Diane. I'll get you in just a bit. We, we can run a little over time if you have some extra time. Um, the lawyers, I mean, no, got, I got Jeff shoulders. But go ahead. Oh, you have to leave. Do you want uh-huh. anything closing? You want to say contact again, book information?
4: No, I just love what you're doing. Love Thank what you're you. doing. Love Judy. Judy. Judy's the science. Okay. okay, so they have we have this thing. I haven't been on too much, but the Tuesday nights the PhDs get together and they talk science and I get Where on do there they do this? and I don't understand is half of private. They, they do. It's or is a, it it's open? a Zoom meeting. Um, okay. I, yeah, you have to be invited, but okay. like I ask a question and they were like, Hey, we're not clinicians. I said, yeah, but I rely on you guys and the science to then adapt exactly. it into the patient setting. Yeah, exactly. So we set up,
5: whole new education platforms johan and rich have odom where we're teaching with EHS, Environmental Health Sciences, with Dr. Lynn Patrick. We're setting up classes online. You can find some at The Real Dr. Judy. We're teaching the doctors the true science. It's not their fault. They've been lied to. That's the humble ourselves. Let's just change, retrain. And when the doctors see this stuff, it gives them such power because they don't have to just rely on some TV commercial. Well, we told you how it works and how to use it. They can actually work with their patients to fit. It, it in their protocol. I call it a curative strategy. Natural products and a little teeny bit of fabulous air is already paid for, and we got this.
1: So this is why uh-huh. it's so fascinating to have you both on, because Judy's is, is, is a national presence, well, actually international presence, working with all the doctors, and, and Deborah in the trenches with, you know, with people in the clinic, you know, handling it on a personal level. And so I, I guess for both of you, you see that this is, this is a vital connection for both of you to be able to, to cross these worlds.
3: Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, this is the well, system's biology
4: go, approach. Okay, I'll see okay. you later. As a, hey, as a nurse me. of 42 years. Hold, hold on. Dan. Okay. All
1: right. We'll get to I you. was
5: going to
4: tell Deb, thank you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she had to go. See, right. So that's the thing. Thanks, I, I forget Dad. that we have, uh, we have uh, you know, everybody has a lot of, like crazy lives and things like that. This is my life, so I don't, I'd spend all day here if I could uh, on the microphone, but I have to, you know, get ready for the next show uh, and things like that. Um, Dr. Judy. Um, you're welcome to hang around. We're going to talk elections here in, in just a second. But uh, if you have any uh,
0: yeah.
5: uh,
1: other quotes and comments, to jump things in like the that.
5: Shower I'm on Stu Peters in about an hour. At 8 okay. o'clock here, I don't know if it's live, so I'm talking to Stu Peters. Again, we're just going to keep talking to the doctors because when we wake them up and show them how easy it is to fix all this, they're like, wow. And so we're that's, that's a, always been our approach. PhDs teach uh, practitioners, and we teach each other, and we learn from each other, and when we do that, you know, we cure these things in no time. That's why HIV disappeared. When we stop, when we talk to each other, when we show them the data, when we work on it, boom, AIDS is gone. The virus is still there, but it doesn't cause AIDS. And we know that's true with MOAC, the mother of all colds and, and any kind of coronavirus. doesn't <laughs> matter where they that.
0: come from, folks.
5: Yeah. You, you know, have, uh... yeah, No more COVID, MOAC, mother of all colds. It's a cold.
1: Okay, I really appreciate you, Judy. Judy, I really
5: appreciate you. I've been I've been a nurse for forty two years, a registered nurse for forty two years, and I you've been fearless and I can't tell you how much I appreciate everything you've done. Oh.
1: That's okay. Thanks no, I so want to get there before Judy leaves. Yeah.
5: Fun. Yep, gotta jump in the shower.
1: <laughs> okay. Thanks, Judy. <laughs> could, could I ask yourself before she leaves? Uh no, I think she's gonna dash right now. Well she'll be back uh McEvitt it, is, is unbelievable and just, I just I texted her before the show us? saying yeah go ahead I think she might be still on they may mention about
3: bone marrow <clears throat> it's in the bone marrow where the DNA of that human history stores its relationship with diseases for its immune system so when the body comes in contact with something it ain't seen in a long time well, it just goes to its archives in the bone marrow and calls it up and say, Well, here it is
1: again. So, Diane, did you prescribe absolutely chicken
4: right. soup?
5: Absolutely right. Did I do what? And oh. and, and...
1: <laughs> she's still Judy's still there. So go ahead, Judy. I did not know you're still yeah,
5: there. Yeah, he's absolutely right. In our bone marrow, in our yeah. stem cells, our hematopoietic blood stem cell and we're spinning it out of control. Yeah, and all we really needed was a little chicken soup and some clean food, plants, animals, clean food, and and we got this back, you know, back four generations of memory. Our immune system doesn't wane as we get older, it's more specialized. It develops special agent snipers it doesn't have to send out the infantry for everything that's what you do when you're a kid that's why you're so strong because you can run you know it's 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 not rocket science it doesn't what do you think of my uh, as you just said you just simply haven't seen that antigen we haven't had a case of diphtheria in this country and in 20 years, why do they inject people with it? Oh, they, it stopped it. No, it was never there. You know, our immune system's got all we need to fight it for generations. That's why you breastfeed, get antibodies from mom, get microbiome, microvirome from mom, dad, and and it's according to your environment. And we've got everything we need according to our environment given by God.
1: You know, we need to do a show on on uh, the idea that people think that uh, you have to vaccinate yourself as opposed to treat something if you actually get it. And if you don't actually get it, then you don't have to. Then you don't have to, if you, especially if you have successful treatments. We need to talk about that. Diane, do you want to? Do you have a question for Judy because this, I don't know if you two have ever talked before. I do.
5: Well, actually, I have a, I just really appreciate everything you've done, Judy. You're just fearless, and I talked to a, a mom. Um, a couple of weeks ago and she has three autistic children and I had heard the statistics it was one in 38 for autism now and she said oh no she said it's one in ten so I that just shocked me yeah easily and all they did in the government changed the name oh no no that's not autism that's um that's autism like disease oh oh no that's not COVID that's covid pneumonia you know that that's not the same thing it's in and, and this is what we do it's just a a rotating we change the name we call it chronic line. oh no no that's adhd no that's not you know and and this is what happens so then they can say oh no it's not one in ten it's not one in two but we've been sounding that alarm for decades and and now everybody can see it you know everybody can see it you can look in somebody's eyes and see the ticks and see that there's there's no vaccine that doesn't cause injury. And and vaccination is extermination of an unwanted varmint. Immunization is immunity. And we've got lots of immunization strategies that can keep us well, and none of them are injections from big pharma. They're all oral. We've got this, and, and it's easy to stay immune for life. And no shot has ever caused lifelong, give it us, lifelong lasting immunity like a measles childhood infection. You know, that's just, lifelong immunity. Yeah, but we're going to, as, as we've lost herd immunity. That's what they're afraid of. Oops, now they got us. We're all on shots. And now we don't have herd immunity because the people who are vaccinated or the term in immunology is allergic. They do not make antibodies to measles. Who makes antibodies to measles? People over 60 who never got that shot. Oh, because anybody that got that, that's why they're trying to shoot everybody up as quickly as they can. Because then everybody's dependent on them. Everybody's sick. And we're looking at it. Another shot, RSV. Yeah, we've all got RSV. We've all been exposed. Keep your innate immune system healthy. When you see it again, you know, it came in respiratory syncytial virus. Incipia. They break apart your cells, they fuse together your cells. That's what syncytin, the XMRB peptide, they put in every shot and then some, hundreds and thousands, but God's given us everything we need. It's crazy when you look at this and when you see it and how they just march on as if we're all stupid and we can't, and we believe their narrative. Um, that's a, it's crazy. I, <laughs> I,
3: I think better jump in. It. And uh, another thing, too, <laughs> virus, those vaccinations, those vaccinations fool your yourself. You know, they think that what they was intended for is needed, but those vaccinations fool them, and they just go yeah. dormant. They say, well, what's the use? And they leave.
5: Yeah. You're, you're literally People in jail. You don't understand.
3: You People don't understand how intricate the human body is. We've been here forever. The human body has been exposed to probably 100 trillion viruses since its conception. And it has done just well. It's got a hell of a record. If it was a heavyweight champion, it would be like 100 and old. But uh, no, they just can't let good enough be good enough. No, they have to be God. I'll
0: just...
5: I'll leave you ahead, with Judy. the only difference between God and a doctor is God doesn't think he's one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh,
1: call back more often. I love having you on the show, uh, Dr. Judy Michaelis Thank you so much. Okay. I'm going to. Uh,
2: okay.
1: And feel free to listen in. you. Can stick you, around, Judy. but uh, let's um, let's do some. i going to play for you now. Hey, let's, let's put us in the in the news mood. Uh, which which one should I do? Let's do this one. Welcome our newest reporter, uh, Diane Warner. <laughs> <laughs> we have
5: I didn't here? know I had such a fan club already.
1: <laughs> you do. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. In fact, it, my, my Facebook is jammed. Is Diane going to be on it? Can I talk to her? She's so cool. Yeah.
5: <laughs> yeah. Sure they were. Sure they were.
1: Yeah. Well, Man, that
5: was a hard act to follow. I love both of them. Love them.
1: Well, they're, they're and as families, a nurse people, of 42
5: I mean, years. it's Yeah. Well, it's interesting. A I
1: had, uh, I had uh, Dr. Uh, Deborah Viglione. I mean, we're all on first name basis here. That's why I just, you know, hey, Deb. Hey, Judy. What's going on? I mean, this is, this, we get very casual yeah. here. So that the people can just talk, right? Um, but uh, I, I had scheduled Deborah and just before the show, like about half an hour ahead of time, um, I, I, I said, well, I wonder if Judy Mikevist wants to say hi. And I didn't know if she'd have a lot of time. She'd be able to join us for, for, uh, for the whole hour, but that was fabulous. But uh, uh, Judy has, has taken our bills around the country. She's talking about them on news shows, and, and she's into the solutions, as, as Deb is at the at the clinical level, but that's where we have to go. We need solutions, and that's. I'm going to ask you the same questions, too, about solutions, about our election report. So let's get your story. Yeah, tell, me, tell me about you and, and how you got interested in elections, and uh, then we'll get into the, some of the details, whatever, um, you know, whatever's bothering you the most right now. So go ahead. Tell us about you, and uh, introduce yourself, and away we go.
5: Okay. Well... Um, I never in my wildest dreams thought I'd ever be an investigative reporter for your show.
4: <laughs> that was the
5: last surprise, thing surprise. I ever Thought I'd be, but yeah, I know. it. it, I love it happens. <laughs> but, <laughs>
1: we were yeah. spontaneous beyond phone uh, calls. You know, twenty twenty uh, happened.
5: That's what. Yep. That's what. Yes, uh, twenty twenty woke me up. The the election, and mm-hmm. I. I ended up. Uh, the night of 2020, what was it, November the 3rd, and when the servers shut down from coast to coast, it was Arizona, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan, they all shut off at the same time. And I thought that was mm. very disturbing, there was a lot of red flags, and then I ended up waking up while well, I fell asleep, woke up the next morning, and Trump had completely dropped behind, and Biden, who never came out of his basement, got more votes than Obama. And I said, this cheating was massive.
1: And yeah, that's that intellectually pulled
5: impossible.
1: that off from coast to coast. You know, do you ever yeah. ask people, so I, as I, is too, uh, just on a basic level, an intrinsic level, can you possibly believe in your wildest dreams that Joe Biden, who's never done well uh, on a national level, who's a complete moron, uh, even when he was uh, you know, mentally competent, because you're a nurse, maybe we can talk about uh, what happens to people with uh, dementia. But uh, he was never good, even at his best. He was an idiot. He, he got everything wrong. He's a total hack. He's basically a, a political mafia figure. Could anybody in the well, got videos of actually... him
5: lying about Yeah. Oh. I have videos of him lying about all of his degrees and he didn't even know where his son died. I mean, the guy is he really literally should be in an assisted living.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Point. And but and the question or as I put it, you know, sitting on a rocking chair watching the sunset drinking lemonade. You know, that's where he should be. Yeah. But, but but the question exactly. is can anybody honestly believe that Joe Biden in twenty twenty could beat Donald Trump in a fair election. No. That in itself yeah. is possible, right?
5: And get more votes than Obama did. You know yeah. Obama's yeah. a lot more popular than he was. That's, that's so, ridiculous. Okay, more votes And, than and Trump got did. more points points than he had ever had. I, yeah. I don't know. It was it woke me up. In a okay. big way. So, it gave me a giant kick start. And uh, we had just retired at nursing okay. for 42 years, and right. my husband, we both retired, but he ended up back in Tennessee. Um, his The company he retired from, with COVID and everything, they had a, a plant that went down that they didn't have a plant manager for, and they begged him to come and work at because mm-hmm. they couldn't get the Germans in because of COVID.
0: Hmm. And
5: so – we ended up living a pirate for the first in our new house. He was in Tennessee. I was in Florida. And I would go there on the weekends to visit him. But during the week, I just investigated. And I dug in. I literally sat on my computer for days. And uh, my husband said, you're obsessed. And I said, yes, I am. And I just started digging into it and realizing how, how wrong – everything was from mainstream media, you know, finding lie after lie after lie. And just, I was like, I've got to find new sources. And so just really started digging into everything. And, um, I wanted to do something. I wanted to get involved. I wanted to find out more about our election system. And so I found defend Florida and when Tom got back, we started knocking doors. He would drive me and I'd go to all these doors. And we find, we found out that in Santa Rosa County, our, our election rolls are very, very bloated. Um, I found a really neat team of people here. Uh, we're still, the majority of us are still together. Um, we um, have knocked on hundreds of doors. We made we made f- over 500. What you looking for? that we sent in. What
1: were you looking for when you uh, knock on doors? Well,
5: what Defense Florida found was that if they had a whole lot of, if there was a whole lot of different last names for one address, a whole lot of, A whole lot of people registered for one residential address, stuff like Mm -hmm. that. Um, So we knocked on those doors, found hundreds and hundreds. We we probably could have done a couple thousand affidavits, but they decided at one point, uh, send them all in now because we're going to DeSantis. And so between all the different counties in in Florida that sent them in and all the thousands of affidavits that they took in, we got some legislation done. And that was, it's going to start January 1st. And with that legislation, it's going to help to clean up the voter rolls. Our voter rolls are awful right now. and So um, what did you do specifically?
1: Because I have a bill on that myself that maybe we can institute later and we can talk about. But uh, what? how did you get the legislation? Did you guys write it yourself? What, how did you do it? Sounds like you've already, you were already Action Defend Radio Florida. before you were Action Radio, which is kind of interesting.
5: Yeah, well, Defense Florida did the legislation. I'm not taking credit they? for that at all. We just helped do the legwork. Who's
1: who's Defense Florida?
5: Um, well, um, there's A lot of different people in it, Um, and Mm
1: -hmm. it's. Is it secret? uh, Is it a secret membership? We sound like I've I've got your clandestine voice. I'm just curious. No, no, no. You don't have to reveal it. And by the way, don't don't. I just go by their first names. Okay, no but seriously though, because they, I, I, we talked about persecution with uh uh Deborah Viglione, that the doctors have been persecuted if they say too much or do too much, and so i, I imagine with vogue fraud with uh, the FBI k g b which is welcome to call the show by the way two one five three, eight three, three eight, three, two, on, guys just you know <laughs> join us and, uh, and, and, join, the, and join the party yeah, and then and then you hear the pause yeah. like, okay, so you just imagine the guys you know taking the headphones off and this guy's crazy, he really just invited us on the show. yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um but but certain things Please you shouldn't do. yeah, but things you shouldn't reveal. I always get this caution, don't reveal it cuz you know, podcasts are forever. So uh it's just, yeah. it's a good thing to uh, to think about, yeah. Um but as much as you can, who and what is Defense Florida cuz it sounds I'm surprised I haven't heard of them. Well, like I have, but I don't really know anything about them.
5: Well, it's I I don't need to go into them. I that's not something oh. that we
1: that is really okay. applicable
5: now. We got the right. legislation changed, but I okay. veered away from that at this point. Uh-huh. That one has settled down a lot. We did do a lot of door knocking. We got some legislation changed. I'm hoping that they can do some more, but I've veered into our private and gone more local with us now. Okay. So, um, but we have done uh, a lot of digging here. Um, our team here has. We've really dug into Eric. Um, I don't know if you know much
3: about Eric. Uh,
1: We're going to talk about that.
3: Eric is. Yes.
1: That's that's a euphemism, folks. It's not a person. It's an acronym. (laughs) Exactly. People are wondering. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me ask you. um, I had a bill, just real quickly here, that uh, it's it's a three-prong thing. One, it gets rid of all the personal information from our voter registration, takes it off the Internet. That's the first thing, for privacy. Second part of the bill, uh, this is the part that really applies to what you're talking about. Uh, All voter registrations expire December 31st at midnight. So you don't have to worry about bloated voter rolls because you're going to register every year anyway. Uh, I think that would be yeah. a huge improvement. And the third one says that if you use personal information gained from the internet, I might drop the third section. Uh, the penalties are doubled. So in other words, if you if you use the internet, you know, and uh, you're 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 hacking and you're doing, you know, it's an enhancement to the crime. Uh, if you actually got personal information, you know, either legally or Ill- well, I don't know, I haven't quite figured out that third section. But the first two I think are really important. One, get our information off the internet. Uh, personal, you know, address, phone, <laughs> birthday, uh, email, you know, party we're registered with, all that kind of stuff should not be public information. Uh, and the second one is, what do you think of voter registrations expiring at midnight every year, December thirty first, and just you know, re-register. And and Pianchi, go ahead. And the federal, end? the
3: ballots for federal candidates should be separate from state and local ballots.
1: Let me let you in yeah. a little bit. Yeah, the the check is got a bill, too.
3: You have a vetting system system that qualifies people for the federal ballot, similar to your U.S. passport, and all the other biometrics to make sure that the person is who they say they are.
5: I think they use too many different forms of ID. I think that you should only have four forms of ID, like a driver's license, um, a military ID, a state ID, or a passport. They use too many and, different forms of IDs.
1: And yeah, but driver's I, license I don't doesn't guarantee a people, citizenship, though. Driver's license yeah, exactly. won't guarantee citizenship. So 100%. that's not a valid form of ID. I can
5: go down a whole rabbit hole with that one for you. but um, okay.
1: Next yeah. next week.
5: <laughs>
1: we got time. You're going to be around for a while. Um, I, I just to, think that we don't.
5: We don't take seriously. We don't take our voting seriously enough,
1: um, and hmm. I think
5: that it needs to just be one day. I think everybody needs to not plan their vacations around voting. If you want to vote, you know, we need to do away with the mail-in ballots. Um, if we have the mail-in okay. ballots, um, they should only be for our military, um, and the military uh, they have have, if They have to be overseas.
1: Why don't we just have people vote on their bases? Why would we have to send ballots in? The minute you break custody, and Pianki and I have talked about this a bunch of times, the minute you break custody in any form, whether it's mail-in, absentee, Dropbox, or anything, if if it's not counted, where cast. If it doesn't go to the person that counts it, if you don't go right, and we'll talk about machines in a bit too, but if it's not counted at the time that you make your, your vote, um, that's not secure. Why not just have ballot boxes and counting at the military bases? Set up a little elections office. Wouldn't that make more sense?
5: that does that sounds a really good idea i like
1: that Okay. all right stick around piaki yeah, really <laughs> yeah, go ahead ballots should
3: say? be counted where they were cast and you have a you know you have enough people there you have three people one receive it the next one check it then the next one finalize it after one hour everybody tally up their uh their their uh their amounts and if they not all the same that you got that power of ballots sitting right there where you can go over and see what's going on.
5: Yeah. yeah. Bobby Titan had some really good ideas and he said that, um, you Who's know, that? if we, we do wait, um, he is on, he was on milk. I was telling you about him last mm-hmm. time. Um, yeah, we're he got to tell everybody is, though. done a lot of, <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. He was having, he was, uh, He was on Mel K's show, and I was listening to, I sat there and took a whole lot of notes because he had some really good ideas. And he was saying that if we ended up um, getting rid of the machines because they have zero transparency, we could do a lottery with uh, military and with like firemen and policemen that are all retired Mm -hmm. and have it a rotating lottery just like a jury system and have them come in to count the ballots. Oh, wait,
1: oh, no, no, stop right there. Stop. This is brilliant uh we yeah, voter, so you' want have these people just have uh have like jury service, so it would be like voting service, so you you'd be a vote counter yeah. uh and that way yeah. you wouldn't know who the people were ahead of time, so you couldn't pre you know indoctrinate them, oh, you need a bill on this uh, the, uh absolutely voting service just like jury service absolutely, yeah. I think this is brilliant That's I went, this is a great point, yeah I told I you Bobby your Biden
5: had some good ideas oh this yeah.
1: is his idea now is he writing a bill on it?
5: Um, I don't know. He, I was just listening to a podcast with the, the email up? ideas on. I started writing them it. down. Yes.
1: Okay. Can you talk to him? Let's get him Let's get him writing the bill. I'm serious.
5: Yeah, let's get him on the on the show. Okay. That would be. No, cool. I'd love you. to be on it.
1: You can you can invite okay. guests. That's part of the, the privilege of being a reporter on the show. You get to bring people on. You can do pretty much whatever you want, uh, except for a couple things. <laughs> <laughs> we we're talking about those. But other than that, you can, you can do pretty much what you want. Um, but I love it. I love it when reporters bring on guests, and so the more people I get to talk to, the happier I am. So I, I don't need to host and dominate. I don't need to do any of that stuff. Uh, it's much more fun to bring on, also, on different people. Yeah, go ahead.
5: Absolutely. Um, he also said that each ballot should have a serial number, and then you know how you have to put in your code to be able to to, mm-hmm. to document that you're yourself and like at the bank or anybody else. He's like. We'd have to do that to be able to to cast our ballot because everybody has a smartphone now, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And uh, but you could put you could get put the code back in and tell you if your yeah, ballot
1: was or not. Code. Well, I was going to say what yeah. Yeah, QR, QR codes code. can they the store data? That's just information. Built? On. Yeah, go ahead, Pianka. Tell me about QR codes and and if that would be a safe way to do it. Pianka, what do you think?
3: A QR code is is something that authenticates you or who you are. It's just like the little. Uh, those little squares that's got all the funny stuff in it you can't read you can't but it's a QR code that right. a authentic on your smartphone can read so you sh- it's just like a blockchain you know cryptocurrency you have a private address and it may be thirty two characters long so a person that's going to uh, have a ballot that should be on that ballot then when they turn that ballot in or whatever, you can read it with a QR reader and it comes up and says this is such and such and such a person. But can and
1: you, you know put, the, uh, reason you separate, uh, uh, the reason
3: why you need to have separate the reason you need to have separate ballots because some well, states in municipality let illegals <laughs> yeah. uh, vote. So if you got federal candidates on that ballot that the illegals have, what's to keep them from going up ballot and start putting checks by a vice president, president, a uh, congressperson and senator? You don't know if they did or not because their name is not on the ballot.
5: Yeah, that's what a lot of – he was also saying, you know, give up your your anonymity. Is that how you say it? To
0: anonymity. Make everybody
5: yeah. – see. be able to see your vote, you know. And there's a whole lot of Republicans, I think, mm-hmm. right now that will be like, sure, I don't care who sees my vote. I want to be able to see that that my vote was actually cast. And also get a receipt for it. you should get a well, that was my receipt complaint on what your ballot number
1: is. Well see that was, and, and well, I wanna finish the I wanna finish the QR code thing because it seems to me now did this person, Bobby, what's his name, did he talk about a serial number uh on the ballot or a QR code or how did what how are they going to be identified?
5: He just said serial number. He did not say anything about QR
1: code. So okay, so you could like a zip code or something. You have your own personal you know, number. Okay, so a number I think makes more sense than a QR code because I don't know what information extra can we put on that QR code. But let me. You mentioned something just a second ago. And I, I want to get back to Pianki's bill. I want to have him explain it specifically in, in detail so we can talk about that. But this whole idea of your vote isn't secret, and I think I never thought about that. But most people know. Most people can pretty guess how how I'm going to vote. right? they can pretty guess how Pianki's going to vote, and, and I'm sure people, your friends, can guess how you're going to vote. So what's the big friggin' secret? <laughs> Is that what he's talking well, about? So, I is the vote public or just that you voted? The powers that, that be,
4: the powers that
5: be have tried to make everything so complicated, and we just right. need to get everything back to very simple and very basic. And and the more complicated they make it, the easier it is for them to cheat. So we we just and, and we need to get back to. This is so important. It's like currency, and and he was actually breaking it down that. That our ballots are just like money. Um, mm-hmm. Each of our federal votes is—he said—they're worth up to forty to fifty thousand dollars of annual spending. So I mean, our votes are money because when you put a legislator in, they're going to be spending their annual budget is is a lot of our tax dollars. Mm-hmm. So we need to take this a lot more seriously. We need to, you know, everybody is like, let's make everything so easy and convenient and all this, and I'm like, no. This needs to not be convenient. You need you need to you need to be able to go stand in line for several hours. We need employers to, if they have twelve hour, you know, employees that are on for twelve hour shifts, like our policemen, our firemen, our medical workers, they have to give the workers that day four hours off, no matter what, legally. Uh So people will have time to be able to get in to go vote. Um, Don't plan your vacations then. it's a one day voting you come in you vote you stand in line you do your duty we we release all the data at the same exact time you can't release it till everybody's ready to release it because this nonsense of letting it stretch out for a month and adding ballots and i mean in our precinct right now here we have to wait on uh, in in the november elections the military can mail a mail on ballot on election day and you get ten days after that, so to be able to count those ballots in well, that's a whole lot of time for them to cheat. You know it's ridiculous. Uh-huh. They should all be counted. The military should be able to get their ballots in. We should turn in all oh, that's what of did on the, the everybody should turn in you at know, the same y- time. Y-
1: you have the t- so here's the thing, too, that I realized too this year that, uh, you know, they, there's no reason not to have votes out immediately as soon as the polls close because every time somebody votes, that vote is immediately counted in some kind of device, hopefully an uh, optical scanner tabulator. But uh, we have the DS200, going to have that a modem off. thrown in. We, What's that?
5: We do not want that at all. You need to hand count them because, okay. you know, you look in the Georgia race, um, there was a, a woman, what was her name, uh, Michelle Long Spears. She lost her primary race in May in, in in uh Decatur, Georgia. And she uh she was a Democrat and it was a primary and whenever they um she said, Well let me see the vote count Well her precinct had zero votes in it and she had voted and they had used the machines and they blamed it on a technical error in the scanner. <laughs> but I mean she well, wait a minute several Is precincts it, uh, where she got zero votes.
1: Aren't there machines that actually do scan the dots and count them and don't do anything else, or we don't have such a machine?
5: I don't know. I genuinely don't know.
1: Um, I, see.
5: I just worry that we, if even if we're doing that, we still need to hand count them. And, and with people that are like veterans and firemen and people that, you know, they've, they've done their service and they're retired and they're collecting a, um, you know, uh, pension. And those are the people that, you know, if we do that on – in uh, like a lottery and just like the jury did then that I think would help remove some of the problems with I don't know, fraud treason okay. uh, well, uh, people keep calling it election fraud I want to call it election treason
1: <laughs> you can make up words on the show that's fine
5: it's not made up you... I mean it's for real I mean well, no. I'm say but you, you can you
1: use keep... new terms I probably didn't quite phrase that right Pianki you had a comment Those poll workers need to be
3: bonded. And if you work if you live in a district where a congressperson is running, you shouldn't be on that poll. You should go to the next poll where outside of that congressperson that eliminates any bias in in any association. And also like you say, it should be just like a grand jury. Nobody knows who they are.
1: Oh, the vote counters? Nobody knows. Uh, did you did you have that, that no one knows who the vote counters are, too? Is that part of the, the bill you wanted to do? Or I don't know if department? I have that in the bill. No, no, <laughs> don't you don't, know but that I'm talking is. about Diane.
3: I don't think uh, it uh, is. Diane, but it the, the bill is that, pretty that, clear uh, itself. Now the
1: I'm talking about uh, uh, The Constitution
3: allows for a separate uh, ballot. The Constitution allows for that.
1: No, I know that's your and,
3: opinion. And, and, uh, uh-huh. But I want
1: to talk about, what, Diane was talking about a guest that she was listening to that was talking about uh, uh, having some kind of uh, now, I'm, shoot, now I'm losing track of stuff um, but uh, where, where were you back on that on the, on the ballot itself of uh, the vote counters there we go that's where we were so the people that count the votes as, as in jury service so you'd have voting service um, were those people to be known or not known or did that not enter into the, the discussion Diane
5: it didn't enter into the discussion but I, you know it's it would be a random lottery so, right. um, of retired people in your area that mm-hmm. are you know that collect a pension that can be veterans and we have a ton of veterans here i mean in our mm-hmm. area so um in any veteran and well i would say that is the registered voter <laughs> that would they would have to be a registered voter
1: mm-hmm. and
5: also you know or firemen or, or policemen so um i think that would oh, be listen
1: I've, I've never been a fireman mm-hmm. while well, i was law enforcement briefly but uh you know why couldn't i do it you know, why, I wouldn't. I would not limit it to first responders. I think that's. Uh, we we sometimes elevate certain folks uh, too much. Like they get uh, special privileges and certain tax deductions and things like that. We had a vote on that this this uh, year, and I voted against it. It, it needs to know, be. It need to like be to to What's up, Janaki?
3: You need to be natural born. Let's
1: see, yeah. yeah, this is going to get complicated. All right, I don't want to. I don't want to. It's been a lot because this is Diane's first report. I don't want to go into some of the, the really intricate details here, but there are a few questions. Into I have. the weeds. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess that's probably a good way to put it. Or I have one guest who was talking about rabbit holes. She's been in a rabbit hole like 20 times. That's a lot of rabbit holes. Give <laughs> you know, me down there for a while. Um, so let's come back up. And uh, so your focus has been lately, like, you know, like you're saying, on the, on the local stuff here. Let me go back to a question I had before. What would happen if voter registrations expired at midnight and everybody re-registered every year?
5: I, I don't know. i I really have to do more thought on that, but it sounds like a good idea. Okay. Um, and just like your car registration, you have to redo it every year,
0: mm-hmm. and
5: that would helpfully get rid of the graph. Um, yeah, we definitely need to, to do a lot to get rid of that. We need to get rid of Eric, and um, that is
1: – What is that? You mentioned that before. It, Let's go into that, and then I'll get to Bianchi's bill. He can talk to you about it in detail. What's this okay. –
5: uh, um, Eric is. Let me look at the acronym on it. It is. Erotic. Oh, no! uh, (laughs) Election registration. What is it? I'll have to look at it in a minute. Mm -hmm. Um, Identification. Electronic registration. Electronic registration information center. Hmm. Um, I always forget the name of that. Um, But what it is is it. It started out. We got into it. Uh, DeSantis signed us up for this for Florida, $25,000 to do it. it was in 2019. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to clean the voter rolls, and it doesn't. Um, and you can tell that 100%. But Defend Florida helped us uh, look at our voter rolls here in Santa Rosa County, and we have 12,000, over 12,000 people that haven't voted in 10 to 42 years. There's one person that hadn't voted in 42 years that's still on our voter rolls. Wait a
1: minute, this was uh, of, I know. 42 years? So and how many years yeah, did they vote? Dylan. How many? I'm curious to find out if they're like 120, 140 years old. How how, how many years did they vote? That person that has has I voted in 42 years. See that'd be interesting.
5: I don't obviously. know. That's the problem is because we're trying to mm-hmm. get the voter maintenance logs, and they wanted mm-hmm. us to they wanted to charge us a uh, hundred thousand. It was ninety nine thousand dollars. To yeah. get the voter maintenance logs for those twelve
1: thousand people. So why not just make them expire? So wouldn't it be simpler if everybody's voter registration just just expired? Yeah. 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 It'd be simple. And so what you could do though, you I wouldn't have to drag everybody down to the voting office every year if you if you've been there once if you if you've demonstrated your citizenship like I had to do when I came here I brought my passport in. You know, can I call them ahead of time and say, what do what I need to register to vote? Well, you got to prove you're a citizen. You have to have this. And I say, okay, I've just got my Florida driver's license, but I don't think, I didn't even know if I had it yet, uh, the official one that makes me look like a cantaloupe. It's a really orange picture, by the way. Anyway, but, uh, but I prove my citizenship. Now, would I have to do that every year uh, if I haven't moved or haven't changed my address? I don't think so. I think you could just, you know, recertify yourself or just uh, by, by internet. A secure internet. You could say, look, I'm the same place. It's in this." And, and of course, they could always look it up and say, yep, yep, there you are. Okay, you're in. But if you're new to the county, you should have to go in person with your proof of citizenship uh, and, and and your address and your current address so that people know who you are, where you are, and that you're valid. And that the, and, But that should expire every year. But once you've done that, you wouldn't have to keep doing it every year as long as you haven't moved. If you moved, then you should probably go back, especially if you've moved to a different county, you're going to have to go. In person again, but that I think would take care of most of the problems you're talking about. Cleaning up the rolls seems like a whole hassle. You don't have to; just have the registrations expire.
5: Yeah, it, yeah, I think that sounds like a good idea. I I haven't got okay. a whole lot of thought into that, but um, well, you I just heard about it. That sounds like <laughs> something we could. Yeah, I know.
3: You I, know, yeah, uh, I know, a person <laughs> can have a house in one state and then a house in another state. Uh
1: huh. But you still have a primary residence, though, don't you?
4: Yes,
3: well, no, you
1: can call primary. either one of them primary, mean, really. Well, then you'd have to declare one. Both uh, can't for
3: in the a bill. primary six months. Well, you can stay in. I have a driver's license of two states. this valid. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Do you vote in two states? No,
3: you. I only vote in one place though.
1: <laughs> I, I'm just Because
3: it'll to vote in more than one place
1: on federal ballot. I know. That. <clears throat> All right, well, let's take a minute now. Tell, tell uh, Diana about your bill. Uh, this would be a good time to sort of explore that. I like to do things in segments and keep, keep on one topic until we've, we've kind of, you know, finished it. Go ahead, Piyaki.
3: Well, the bill is based on an article in the Constitution. I think it's Article 1, Section 3, but it may be off. And that allows Congress to set the standards for voting on federal ballots. The only thing that the state does is uh, provide the location. And I think the reason why comes, you have federal candidates and in, in local and state on one ballot is because of the money. Uh, the federal government actually pays the state, if I'm not mistaken, to carry that federal ballot. But no, a person can be vetted just like you do with a U.S. passport to prove that they are a U.S. citizen. When they show up to vote, there should be some means to uh, for them to prove that they are who they are. It can be biometric, voice fingerprints, whatever, and they cast a ballot, a paper ballot, not hooked up to machines, Wi-Fi, Internet, or nothing. They cast a paper ballot that's got three choices on it. They got the senator, U.S. senator, the congressperson, and president vice president. That's all. Then they hand it to a person. Then that person who was bonded and go through the other criteria, They go to another desk where there's three people, hand it to the first person, they record it, hand it to the second person, they record it, hand it to the third person, they record it, and they put it in a pile. After an hour or two, they all compare their tabulation. If they tabulation of cocostatic, then it's great. It's good. At the end of the day, they count the ballots right there, and then they call in the results with people, the other three people there to monitor what's being said. And they also should be on the camera, too.
1: Yeah, but the biggest part yeah, is separating. Everything
3: videotaped.
1: Yeah, the biggest part is separating yes. the federal and the state ballot and the local ballots so that, as Bianchi says, someone who's an illegal alien who can be registered in California, for example, cannot vote in the federal election affecting everybody else's vote across the country. What do you think of the bill, Van? Just curious.
5: That sounds good. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think as long as everything is videotaped, but they, they've got this law where you can't even have a videotape in there at all. So, How um, about that? Yeah, that and would why would that be?
1: Why do you have videotapes in your yeah. in your uh, local convenience store, but you can't have them at a polling place? Hmm, interesting. And the
3: police
5: well, department? You can't, you where can't video have
3: cameras. video cameras. You can't have it where you the person that's voting is being seen. Is I think what it's meant. But you know, in some community, you know, the requirement to uh, go cast a vote in some municipality is just a, a trash bill, a, a utility bill, and it can be expired. So on your way to the poll, you can look at somebody's trash can and pull out their bill and go vote under their name.
1: Yeah, I remember Project Veritas yeah. thing where uh, they voted under uh, – uh, one of the guys said, I'm Eric Holder. And <laughs> Eric Holder's picture, who was Attorney General at the time, is on the back wall. you know. And so it was, it was kind of interesting. Okay, so – are you working mostly at the county level now? Because I'm going to want to explore things like everything from Brazil, you know, vote fraud everywhere, the whole idea of machines and everything else. So I, I, have, I have big plans for you. Uh, this is going to be uh, very interesting. But uh, wh- this county is, is, is kind of surprising to me that a county that is so heavily active duty military, so heavily veteran, uh, so heavily conservative, so heavily Republican would have this kind of vote fraud. It's kind of shocking, actually. Diane?
5: out that our county has vote fraud. Well, I don't
1: well, not I vote fraud? At least have irregularities, well, shall we say? Bloated voter rolls.
5: I and I okay. don't I've gotten heavily involved in the voting process and mm-hmm. this this past year Tom and I both were uh, poll workers and we jumped in, we worked um early voting at Pace and we worked the actual voting day for primary and for election day in November at mm-hmm. Berry Hill and I can't tell you how wonderful everyone at both of those precincts did. Um, I, we were watching like hawks. I had other, you know, uh, people that were there that were poll watchers as well, and they didn't see anything nefarious. I didn't see anything nefarious. My husband didn't see anything nefarious. The workers worked so hard. They did such a good job. I also jumped in and did um, the, the – I've gotten to know kathy really well, our SOE, was Colleen.
1: Okay Tappy, oh, I know her
5: Tappy Billings. she's our yeah Very our me, and I've done a lot of um cam- the canvassing board with her, and I know that there's I love the girls in the office, I think they've done a wonderful job
0: what i canvassing actually,
5: board? I don't know if you know much about it, but if you if you ever i mean if they continue to do the mail in ballots, mm-hmm. make sure in this county that your signature matches. If you're signing your envelope on your mail-in ballot and you're sending it in, um, they actually really check signatures really well in our county, and they kick them out, uh, the ones that, that don't look good. The girls in the office do a fabulous job. I went through over – I looked at a 1,000 of them myself that they had passed, and I didn't um, dispute any of them. And then I said, in on the canvassing board, when they see a signature that they don't like, that they don't think matches, the signature that they have on file, they put it into a separate pile. And that needs to go through the canvassing board. The canvassing board is Tappy Verlaine and a judge, which this year is Judge Gerard, and then one of the county commissioners, which is Colton Wright.
1: Okay, we but should talk about who these again, people are because we're, you know, international. So Tappy would be the elections office head?
5: Supervisor, title? supervisor,
1: second. there we go. Okay. Uh, Who's the other? Who other supervisor of
5: elections for Santa Rosa County, and okay. then Judge Gerard is a judge here in the county, and then uh, Colton Rides is one of our county commissioners, and they also had a court reporter, and they um, met. It was like every three or four days through the mm-hmm. primary and through the general election, and I sat in on twenty hours of that, um, of the ones for the primary, and they did such a great job that. I didn't even tell them I needed to go back. What
0: were they doing? checked
5: the ballots. What they did was if they had a problem with the signature on the ballot, they would look at it, and they'd kick them out. If it didn't look good, it was gone. Mm. And they said then the girls in the office would call the person that had that ballot if they had a phone number for them and said, hey, we need to do a better signature. We need a better, um, you know, like you have to verify this is really you. And they did a super job of that. People would – send in the information again with like a a picture of their driver's license and another signature and that's called curing the ballot and then so it went through another process back in front of the board and um, but they it was all very legit I was so happy to see it um, well, but so we're not. This meat. isn't the
1: problem area, though. Too. This is the thing. You look at the, the problems are, are problem Atlanta, in Atlanta. The problems in the battleground it. states. The problems any place. Because we've talked about this on the show before. The uh, the Trump electors. There are seven states with Trump electors. This is where all the vote fraud is. This is where the election was stolen. You know, in Arizona, Nevada, New Mexico, Michigan, Wisconsin, uh, Georgia, and Pennsylvania. Those are the places well, that the problems. I don't. I don't expect voter it, problems we, here. We might have a but problem I'm here, Greg, though. Okay, Chris, tell me. We
5: might have a problem here, though, in our machines. Um, we don't know. We're we're not allowed to count the actual paper ballots. Oh, yeah, we have paper ballots. Everything's safe. Everything's safe. We're not, <laughs> not ever allowed to count them. But um, I know... Uh, uh, by, what authority, I actually,
1: by what authority are they saying that we can't count the paper ballots?
5: That's the state. You, you, it always runs through the machine. Even in a recount, it's run through the wait, machine. Wait, wait, wait. What, what's
1: know, sort of the... Uh, Wait a minute, we've got to change that law. What's the uh do you have the yes. legal citation by chance?
5: I do, but I don't I don't want to spend the time to look at it up now. I can give it to you later.
1: But Maybe later, um, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Save me yeah. looking it up. Appreciate um, it. <laughs> that that makes no sense. <laughs> we're we're sta- wait a minute, let's think about this for a second. Uh, uh, we are statutorily required to use a machine at the polls. Is that true? Yes. Well, that's, okay, that we, that's
5: the state statute. It said that the, the ballots we were to use uh, the ES&S machine. All the ballots run through the ES&S machine. If there is a um, recount, the company? which I've helped.
1: Wait a minute. They specified the company of the machine, machine we have to use? They specified the company of the machine we have to use on our vote count?
5: Well, each county picks what they want to use. In our What's county it's ES&S. ES&S.
1: What, oh, okay. So that's ES, the, okay, the so machine. we so the not. So ES&S is, a, is one company. What's another company? Dominion. Yeah, I was waiting for that one. Those are the
5: only two. Those are the only two that we have.
1: They're
5: they're both bad. They're both bad. We don't want either one of them.
1: Um, So what's the DS200? DS200 is is ES&S?
5: That's our machine. I know. The ES&S is the company, and the the actual uh, DS200 is the actual voting machine itself.
1: From ES&S?
5: In our county, yes.
1: So, had, was, okay. so for those them. that um, – well, you missed it too because, uh, like I said, you're, you're just joining us now. But uh, I spent some time – many Facebook posts. In fact, you probably saw them saying that it was time to get rid of the DS-200. I don't know what it does. I've heard it can take a modem. We shouldn't have it. It doesn't give a receipt. I have no idea what this machine is capable of. And uh, I want to go to uh, – like I say, I was thinking that there must be some kind of an optical scanner that cannot transmit anything that literally just counts the votes. And it gives you a receipt. Um, but tell about this d s two hundred because I think this thing is evil it's the evil vote machine that does not let us get a receipt uh, It tabulates your vote. I know that and had a little tape going, but I have no idea what uh, if it recorded what I voted and how can i how can I know what if the machine knew what I voted uh if i don you know, 't have a receipt saying what I voted exactly exactly yeah well and so them, the yeah.
5: receipt the receipt actually comes from our poll books um. And those are called EVID, and that's where Mm -hmm. you check in when you come to vote. That's the machine, and that is always connected to the Internet. I had a – I was, um, as a poll worker, I had somebody walk in and go, well, you've had 904 people vote here today at Berry Hill. And I'm like, really? How would you know that? And go, it's right here on their website. (laughs) (laughs) And we know they're connected to the Internet because – We can if we have a problem if if someone comes in and I say well you you know you have a different address on your driver's license than you do in our records and the clerk will come over and they will actually call the office there's always girls available at the office and they change the address within one minute so that is something else that I would like to change um, Mm -hmm. that when when you come in to vote it's back to the paper everything's printed out. You if you don't have the right address, you don't get to vote. We're not there to change your address for voting day. Get out, yeah. go change go you go up to the have office early. and change your address if you want to. Yeah. Um, but we're you know, you don't get to vote. So if your if your legitimate address does not match what you have on your driver's license, you know, you have not done your due diligence and you are not gonna be allowed to vote today so sorry. Yeah. We, people have to, we have to learn responsibility again, and we have to learn that this is something that we need to sacrifice for. It's not something that we need to make, you know, easy for everybody to do. That's um,
1: exactly it, my next question, is, and I want to talk about this for because this is critically important, that we have this bizarre feeling in this country. It comes mostly from the left because they want to count all their fraudulent ballots, that somehow, that because voting is a right, we have to guarantee that everybody will exercise it no matter what. No matter what the irresponsibility is. No, we no do not. What, well, But that's the thing. And in my comparison, I, I go like with the Second Amendment. You know, we all have a right to, to keep and bear arms. We have a right to own and carry guns. But that doesn't mean the government's going to give you one. doesn't mean you can get a gun absentee. You know, it doesn't mean that one will be shipped to you in the mail. You know, and so and we do not it. doesn't mean make that everybody
5: it... should have one either. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, that's a, that, yeah, that's, but, that's an interesting question. But, but the point is that it's a right. Okay. Voting is a right, too. You cannot stop somebody from voting. You know, but And on I the don't other want hand,
5: people voting who don't know who they're voting for. Well, if you that's,
1: haven't done your we'll, we'll don't vote. That. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> I, I want to talk about that too. But my point is that just uh, in terms of a right, in terms of, of exercising the right, we do not and should not take Herculean efforts to do things that in, uh, endanger the vote or, or make it uh, take such ridiculous measures that everybody has to vote. If people can't get up and vote, if they can't go to the polls, if they can't uh, – uh, and I don't mind early voting. We can talk about that a little bit too. But the point is you have to put no, in the effort to vote. No, it's early voting. it's not to us – okay, well, we'll, we'll chat about that because I'm curious your point of view on it. Um, and free, feel free to disagree with me. That is, that is encouraged, if anything, else on the show. First of all, I love a good debate. Uh, secondly, um, I'm not always right. Contrary to my own personal belief, it's true. I'm not. But, you know. And you won't hear me admit that very often. I'm teasing you. Um, but the point is that, that do we have to, just because it's a right, does that mean that we have to go through Herculean measures to make sure that everybody votes no matter what? We have to accommodate them. And I'm saying no. If you want to vote,
0: absolutely
5: you've not. got
1: to accommodate I agree. the vote to exercise it. That's my big point. What do you
5: think? Absolutely. I 100% agree with that. Right. Yeah. I- Absolutely. Yeah. As far as early voting, I think it's a one day voting, one day voting. You you mm-hmm. save this day. You, you know, employers, it, it should be a national holiday.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: Everybody should have the day off except the people who <clears throat> like hospitals and police and stuff like that. But then they should be given their employers have to give them four hours off during that 12 hour show. They're in that 12 mm-hmm. hour voting period, um, you know. I know What's so of, about
1: on the day why, why, why do you find its i mean I don't mind early voting as long as it's done properly with paper ballots and secured secured ballots and and uh, people who are in uh, voter duty like jury duty why it, is that just, not as secure
5: because we are the the more you stretch it out you have to have um just the ballots locked up you have just the different um um uh, I'm trying to explain it mhm the the chain of evidence it's right. so much and 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 the more the more the, the easier that we make it that's the the more chances they have to cheat so um i don't know just the chain of evidence i just think that we just need to get back to one day voting i mean that's what we've always done i mean in in earlier years and we stayed up out there till midnight counting the ballots you know, and you didn't find out until about midnight, but if everybody has to put in – if if you do the early voting, it gives people a chance to know, oh, well, this person's ahead. Well, that person's ahead. You know, um, they have more votes. We need to kick in. We need to cheat more. You know, if you just give them less chance of knowing who's ahead, the better, in my opinion, and the less
3: yeah, chance that you like, have to uh... cheat. It's like New York reporting who won in their state, and California still got two or three hours to vote. But, you know, in Missouri, some employers do pay their employee because they normally get off at 4.30. They have to get off at 4 so they can have three hours to go to the poll. So that the 4 o'clock that they are let off, they get paid for it.
5: Yeah, that's good. That's good. I, I just think that it, it's – it's our right. It's our responsibility. We, You have to put forth some effort. If you want to vote, then we'll get the people who truly, really want to vote, you know, who will stand in that line, who will cast vote. Oh. And but we've got to make sure that we have people who aren't corrupt running our election systems. Like, I mean, you look at Arizona. They're just a joke. It's like you. Yeah, we- I
1: want to spend a couple of minutes oh on gosh. that because what do you know about that? What can you tell me?
5: Well, the first thing that um, Seth Keschel said that, you know, they they kept putting their, Seth Keschel is, uh, he was uh, military and he was, he's just been heavily involved in elections really good with data. Uh Um, And he has helped uh, a lot in getting a lot of our data. He's nationwide. He's awesome. But he was in military intelligence. He's very, very intelligent.
1: Jesse probably knows him. He said,
5: In teasing. one of his – in what I wish subject. I didn't know him personally. I just see his reports. But um, uh, he reported that in Arizona that they found out – you know, the people kept trying to put their ballots to the machines, and the machines kept kicking them out. They wouldn't
1: hmm. accept the ballots. But, well, the Republicans vote yeah, on election day. See, this is, this is the problem is that the we have a situation now where the Democrats vote early and often, you know, and the Republicans vote on election day. So it's really easy to, to lock in all the Democrat votes. Have them all all counted and balloted and secured and everything else, and then screw up the Republican vote. This is why I don't. So well, uh,
5: that's exactly you know, I, how they did. It has it.
1: to be, yeah. They it has it. to be election day for everybody, or you know, Republicans could better get off their butts and, and vote early to make sure those votes are locked in too. Go ahead, Dan.
5: Well, they, what they did was the ballots for the mailman ballots were, and I think that I do believe they have Dominion voting machines out there, but it was they take a twenty-inch ballot. In the mm-hmm. Dominion voting machines, and all the mail-in ballots were 20 inches. Well, they bought 19-inch printers for election day mm-hmm. and 19-inch paper that? for the mm-hmm. ballots.
0: Hmm.
1: So, how long so ahead of why. time do you think they tested their vote fraud techniques? Be interesting yeah. to see if they were running votes uh, voting machines because they have the voting machines but all year, right? They can they can, like they can they can they can play with them any time and see so what screws them up, right? So many different
5: ways to cheat.
1: Yep. Yep.
5: Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Well, and then you get into a a problem that Florida has uh pretty badly and I there is there's different ways that we can catch this and mm-hmm. uh we're working on that. Our team is actually working on it too. But um there is in Lake County in Florida there's the red belly road mess. I don't know if you've heard anything about it. I think I talked uh, to you about it a little bit before but
1: I wanna know about your team too, curious who they are, but to tell me about Red Belly Road, <laughs> whatever it is. What's that,
5: okay, um in lake county uh Florida, there's mm-hmm. a group of patriots that found out that uh, the somehow all the voter registration was getting flipped on a bunch of thousands of different addresses. They hmm. were leaving off apartment numbers they were- but there was one road, and the the reason that they actually caught it is because there was a twelfth street. 12th Road I don't remember 12th 12th Avenue but it was like the even side of a street for 37 houses they flipped all of those addresses the same house number but they put it instead of 12th Avenue they put it in Red Belly Road and they each one of these addresses that they were manipulating they would ask for two mail-in ballots for each one of those addresses and Mm -hmm. then get those ballots two weeks later they were flipping these addresses back to the regular address. But what these corrupt people, whoever's doing this flipping is, um, what they didn't realize was all of the voter registration went out during those two weeks. So all these thousands of voter registrations went to undeliverable to the post office. Well, their SOE, which his last name is Hayes, um, he did a video, which I don't think he's involved or he wouldn't have made this video, He was unaware of the address flipping, but he Uh, ended uh, up um, getting a video in front of all of these thousands. It was just boxes and boxes of voter registration cards that were undeliverable, and he's like, y'all need to make sure your addresses are up to date because look at all these voter registration that were undeliverable. So um, in a whole lot of campaign literature that all the – Campaign or the candidates had sent out for their campaigns was undeliverable because they went to the wrong addresses. So, um, were well, they all Red Belly Road? And, <laughs> no, no, just thirty-nine addresses. I think were Red Belly Road, but but there was an astute postman who actually saw the people's name, and it said Red知道, Red Belly Road, but he actually brought it to them on Twelfth Avenue. So they've got so this team has so much proof, and they have. Uh, taken all this data and they've turned it into the SOE, our state SOE. They turned it in in April and it, they've done nothing with it.
1: Hmm. So it's SOE is disgusting. Supervisor of Elections, just for those of us. Who
5: yes, are our state acronym challenged. SOE. Yeah,
1: okay. I
5: guess it's um, Cord Bird, and they've done absolutely nothing with it. But
1: hmm. um,
5: this this Patriot team that's in Lake County that found all this evidence, they hmm. um, they actually asked. To to see these voter registration, they wanted to get them, they wanted to scan them, and the SOE Hayes really put up a big old fight for it. He didn't want them in there. Um, it took them a long time to to get them uh, to let him do it, and they made them pay like a thousand, twelve hundred dollars or something. Uh, don't quote me on that. But um, but then when they went in to go scan them, they had to buy all these scanners. This Patriot team did, but this SOE was such a pain. You can just tell the type of person he was.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, he
5: let them come in to scan, but he gave chairs to his, ele- his officials, the, the employees of the SA. He let them have chairs, but he wouldn't Bring any chairs in for two full days for these patriots to scan these voter registration, and there was two elderly women in that room. He would not give them a chair to sit down for two entire days. Of
0: course, that just shows
5: you what type of person this guy is. So, but he ended up. This SOE went. He was interviewed by Epic Times, and um, Mm -hmm. and I know um, the Epic Times. Well, he the SOE um, blamed the nine one one database. Uh, on the Red Billy road Road, he like, oh well, it was just a 911 database error. So, Epic Times, who was an actual investigative reporter, actually called and and talked to the 911 database supervisor, and who said, oh no, it wasn't our fault. We don't even have Red Billy Road in our database. Mm-hmm. So it just proved that this this S O E Hayes was not telling the truth.
1: Well, red so, belly is um, like code but, for communists. I mean it's just it's hysterical. I mean, the, the, the way they pick that. Well, so, you know, I just you know, this red is and all why that kind of yeah.
5: they our state of Florida does not want us to have maintenance records from um Order like our twelve thousand people. Maintenance records are every single thing that's happened to you as a voter is written down, whether you um, – when when you became a voter, when you got a ballot, if you cast your ballot, um, if you changed your party affiliation, all of it's documented into like – it's like an Excel spreadsheet. And uh, to get this va- voter maintenance record is what we wanted for these 12,000 people here in Santa Rosa County, and they wanted us to pay $99,000 to get it. They don't want us to see none of the state of Florida wants us to see the voter maintenance records because I I do believe it's because of issues like Red Belly Road. They don't want to see that it was are they, back.
1: Are they incompetent? Are they criminal? Are they lazy? What do you think the problem is or all of the above? Well, depending.
5: I, you know, still, still in debate. I, I, I okay. Mark early makes me really nervous because of, Something that that his wife does.
0: Who's Mark Early? Mark Early
5: Early is Cappy Valene's boss. Um, He is the head SOE for the state of Florida. He's the head over all the other SOEs.
1: Is he under the attorney general, or or is it a separate office, or how does it work? I don't know. Okay. Next week. But his
5: wife, okay. We'll find out. Yeah, we'll have to listen to that (laughs) one. So our ballot printing companies make me really nervous. Um, we had a ballot printing company um, here mm. in Florida for a 100 years, um, a really, really long time. They sold out in 2017 to a company in um, in New York. And I need to look at my data on that. But um, mm. this company in New York, their president uh, or the CEO, I'm not sure what her title is, but she's the top person in this company. And she actually – is a huge supporter of the Democratic Party, and so this company—they
0: have an employee.
5: Yes, yes, and this company um, has an employee who is Mark Early's wife, and she goes by a different name, and uh, instead of Early in her comp- in this company. So that is also a huge conflict of interest, and it, it reminds me of Fauci and his wife. So um, I don't know, Doctor
1: Fascist. Yeah, I say yeah. I want to. I want to kind of wrap up for this week. Um, because you've got a ton of okay. information. And what I want to do is kind of consider a lot of these separately, especially Eric. We need to go more and more details on that. We need to look into a machine that actually does work. See if there's one that you would approve of, or do you want to get rid of all machines and just go strictly hand ballots, uh, things like that. Um, you know, different companies, how we get that ridiculous law that we have to have a machine count. Um, at what time, at what period in history did we not have machines at all in Santa Rosa County? We can use Santa Rosa County as the model. Because counties aren't that different in Florida, they're probably not that different across the country. I mean, things don't change that much, uh, unless you got something totally corrupt. But it'd be interesting to sort of analyze our county and see how that applies to other places.
5: Well, I think that no matter what, if we have a machine, you can't tell what the machine's doing, and I think that there needs to be hand count, no matter what, and you know, with trusted people. And mm-hmm. and you know we could even bond the people who are counting. I don't know. I mean, I think that was a really good idea. That was the idea. Yeah, bond them. Bond yeah.
1: them and uh, bond and I um, Yeah, but what do they do for jurors? Do they have any kind of background check on jurors? I've, it's been a while since I was called for jury duty, and they take that from well, the voter rolls, by the way. It's kind of interesting. Oh, here's a question registered for you. Voter. Now, so so think about this: if you have to be a registered voter to get uh, on jury service. Can you check with the voter registration and see how many people were called for jury service uh, but didn't make it or weren't there or never responded? That'd be interesting. Are yeah. you well, in one. trouble for that? Uh, That's a plague
3: yeah. in, in black communities. They don't show up for jury Really? Duty. Why not?
1: I oh, don't know. You have to ask each individual. Okay. You know, it's really funny in California. I thought you we got had in this,
5: trouble for that.
1: Well, it depends where you are. Don't forget, there are Democrat places where you don't get in trouble for anything. But in California, one of the big tricks, this is kind of funny, this came out with a study one day, and I've forgotten who did it, but the study was done of how many people declined to serve on a jury because they said they weren't citizens. And where did they get the information from? The voter rolls. So how did these people get on the voter rolls, (laughs) not being citizens, and then declared themselves that they were ineligible for jury duty because they weren't citizens? There's something to investigate. Yeah, yeah.
5: yeah there's a 48 percent of the people that, like the mail-in ballots, they were checking, they were uh, comparing, and this is in Arizona, mm-hmm. and they were comparing last names to Social Security. <laughs> it didn't match. Forty eight well,
1: How about that in Arizona? Yeah. Oh yeah. Now Arizona. Yeah. I, want to, I want to focus on Arizona next week too, because here's something that's, that's fascinating about Mar- Arizona. Maricopa County. You think of a county as like a small subdivision of a state. We've got what 64 counties in Florida, something like that. However many counties yeah, we have, I don't know. It's a lot. All I right. Don't know. Maricopa County takes up most of Phoenix. 60 percent, and I've got a bunch of articles on this. About 60 percent of the voters in Arizona are in Maricopa County. So when you talk about it, you think of you think it just as a little county. It's not just a little county, okay? It's most it's of the vote. It's so, so if you yeah. can screw up Maricopa County, you can screw up. He who controls Maricopa County controls the entire election in Arizona. So I had an idea before the show. I want to get this, and then, let you, then, I, then I want to uh, get ready for tomorrow's show. <laughs> but, uh, but the question is, um, if that county is so big and has so much – uh, impact on the vote should the should the Maricopa County voting district be broken up into say ten to twelve separate units that independently count that operate independently that are are separate like precincts that have to do their own independent counts their own rules their own things like that should we break up so like an antitrust of Maricopa County what do you think
5: yes yes absolutely
1: okay. I'm I guess Wendy that, Rogers. Um, I, uh, Wendy Rogers, my my new friend from Arizona, uh, is on the elections <laughs> uh I guess uh, uh integrity committee or whatever their equivalent is, but I guess I just thought of that this morning. Um but if you like that idea, then um that's good. I mean I'm just curious. It makes sense to me, but I always like to run my ideas by people. Pianke, what do you think? they break up Maricopa County. Separate precincts. Independently counting.
3: Well, for, oh. That would be for the people in Arizona. I don't live there.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, I'm gonna suggest it and see if it's something they can do. Diane, but it, uh, does anybody do anything like that? If a county's too big, it has too much of a vote. Well, have what heard I would like for our county, uh-huh.
5: for our county, I would want only want a thousand people per precinct. You know, and, and, okay. and Explain. so it's Explain easier the logic. to count. Okay. Well, you can count them by you know a lot easier if you only have a thousand people per precinct. Uh, mm-hmm.
1: it, it would just make it much more simple. So, so it's at the end of the night. So we should have a pretty substantial budget for uh, uh, for voting service. In other words, unlike jury service, where they give you $15, See, I, I think jurors should be paid whatever they're normally paid for a day's work. You know, if you take them for three days and you pay them three days of whatever their normal salary is, up to, I don't know, $75,000 a year income, something like that, whatever it is. But anyway, but, jury, but uh, voter service, is that paid or is that all volunteer? I mean, I think I should be a state budget item or county well, budget item. We,
5: I was paid for um, I, – you're paid, and it's a nominal thumb, but we are paid as a poll worker.
1: Should we pay more? Or retired folks? Is um, that why you want to use retired people because they're, they're already on, you know, some kind of system?
5: I don't need it, but, I mean, other people might. I mean, you might get – I don't – I kind of think that it it brings in people that are more honest if you don't need the money, though. So, I don't know. Okay. That's just kind of a thought.
0: Just,
1: well, I'm honest. Just I'm a just random poor. Thought I, had. But, <laughs> I mean, you're an entrepreneur, so, you know.
5: Hmm. Well, you know, I mean, if people are retired and they don't need the income, and if you mm-hmm. are trying, if you're getting desperate people to come in there that just need money, they might not do as good a job. That's, That's true too my thoughts.
1: That's a good point. Okay. But All right, well, let's, um,
5: also they forced the um they forced the voter the vote in Arizona. They forced them to certify it. And they did it with like armed guards there. So, oh Mar- I oh the, you the uh,
1: supervisors of Maricopa County. They had armed guards from where? Yeah. Katie Hobbs office, where they come from. It, I don't,
5: I don't know. know. But I mean they they basically forced them to certify the, it, he certified it under duress. Well, that's
1: not certified. Okay, so that's that's a that's a that's automatic disqualification. You cannot certify anything under that.
5: You you would think. <laughs>
1: well, well I tell you what. Let's let's spend some time on, on Maricopa County. Let's do that next week. Uh, let me put uh, put a note down here. Um, for let me see what's it so next week is. What are we Thursday? Maricopa County. A little note here. You having fun? What do you think? You like being on the radio? It's kind of cool.
5: Yeah, I enjoy it. It's uh, very challenging and. It's
1: uh, very rich. Would you say?
5: I just hope that we can actually teach some people some stuff and actually get people, more people involved and mm-hmm. and uh, more people responsible the to do their yeah. due diligence. Share the show.
1: Have your team share the show. Have everybody you know share the show. Uh, you know, everybody that comes in can, and can have a huge part of it. Get your legislation on writeyourlaws.com, and I'll work with you if you want to spend uh, one of these hours working on a bill or maybe several of these hours working on bills. We can do that. You know the, the show's I open. We, that. There's, there's no limits to what go on here. Well, uh, legislation
5: fact, the, is what is is what we need. We need our, okay. we need to change right. how we're any, running things. And
1: are you in contact with any state legislators? I mean, I know Michelle Salzman. Uh, I'm not sure who our local one is here. Is that Andrade again?
5: Joel who? Rudman. Joel Rudman's promised me oh. that he would work on legislation with
1: me. Well, Joel's been on the show. Let's get him back, dear Doctor Joel. Yes. Okay, I can do that. Okay. Absolutely. So we got, we, got, uh, and actually, and we got Michelle. Yeah, go ahead.
0: Well,
5: and Tappy uh, Velain has also told me that she would give me her input what she thought she needed
1: for, you know, change as well. Um, okay. Now, Tappy's been on the show, you know, so she's familiar with me. She's been on since WBY days. So uh, she hasn't been on lately, but uh, let's get her back. Bring her on with you. That'd be fun. She loves my questions, by the way. You know, she really loves my questions. I'm teasing you.
0: <laughs>
5: <laughs> I bet she does. She's somebody who's really good at getting back with you, and I, I mm-hmm. appreciate her. She's very organized, and she's run a uh, – she's collected a really good team of, I think, very honest yeah. people that are working in that office. So
1: um, I, I have no problem with that. I, yeah. I, Go ahead.
5: We need to work on her to get her voter rolls cleaned up, though, so that's one thing that, that I don't like. But um, I think otherwise I think that – the, and and she, she really is hell-bent on keeping these machines, and I don't like that either.
1: So, yeah, um, so I that just worry about
5: the that. vote flipping inside the machines.
1: Well, if it's state law, she might we, have to keep if, them. That's the problem. She, absolutely. The things that she, she has to. Yeah, she – go ahead.
5: Well, she actually, for this election, um, uh, she turned off the Internet for the ES and S, which I really appreciated. So, um, But they we How still have the that? Internet for the poll book. She just didn't connect the server for the the ES&S machines. We walked back all of the, with thumb drives, all the information, every one of them. Tom and I, my husband and I did it for Bear Hill. um, But that still doesn't change if the ES&S is flipping the votes inside the machine, you know, so when it does the count.
1: Okay. Well,
5: you still don't have the transparency.
1: Yeah. Well, we got. We can focus on local, which we do. I think on many shows, but we can certainly. I want to do Maricopa. I want because that is such a a case study in how not to do an election. You know, for so many yeah. reasons. Uh, let's 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 take a good look at that. Okay. Um, can you tell about your team? Do you have any contacts? Any websites? Any Facebook pages? Anything that uh, uh, you want to share? or Are you going to be our mystery underground reporter? Mystery
5: underground reporter.
1: Got it. <laughs> I want to ask again then. Somewhere yeah. out
3: there. Nope.
1: I'm not going to mention her name again, but somewhere out there, there's a person watching out for you. Well, that'll go to my theme. i got to make you a theme. Everybody gets a the theme. I haven't got Pianchi a theme. <laughs> yeah, I should get one too. Everybody gets a the theme. Yeah. Um, in fact, Don't if uh, Cindy joined us, I was going to play her theme, but I'll make you a theme. Pianchi, any closing words? Any last questions for, for Diane? Then we'll do it next week.
3: Separate the federal ballots from the state and local because there's no way you're going to get all 50 states slash countries to comply simultaneously. You're not going to do it, but you can with the federal ballot.
1: Yeah, we talk about states yeah. as being countries. Uh, we talk about, I, I, I'm trying to use the term nation state. So the nation state of Florida. Florida is its own nation state.
5: Yeah, I think that's a really good idea. I think if there's a lot of conflict of interest when you do the elections together.
1: hmm I think so, too. I think it's a great wow. idea. Yeah.
5: You know, I, Check the bill uh, out. WriteYourLine.com. One lines. of Bobby actual, he mm-hmm. was saying that we need to get rid of a party affiliation as well, and that would oh, do
1: away with the primary. yeah. We've talked about that. Now he's my new best friend. Okay, yes. I've advocated that uh, no one can run for, for a legislative office while belonging to a party, and no one can serve in a legislative office while belonging to a party. So you take that out. Yeah. You take out all the party control. See the house well this that's another week too. Let's uh, another time. Let's let's get going. Let's get you next week. And um in the meantime, if you have any other questions or things, talk to me during the week. Away we go. Welcome Thanks, back to Action Radio. Isn't this fun? <laughs>
5: appreciate it?
1: Okay. All right. Thanks so much, Dan. This has been a crazy show. From from Jason to um Deborah Viglione to uh Judy Mike of us joined us. Diane Warner, our new mystery person I won't mention her name. Teasing you. Uh, <laughs> You know, all the crazy things that have happened here. This, has been, this is one of these magic shows. And I'm exhausted just because of the amount of information that's gone through. i got a few things to play. And, Diane, you're welcome to listen to my, my commercial announcements here. Feel free. Uh, and then I'll be back tomorrow. Tomorrow's Friday already. Wow, that was quick. Um, and um, Mike's not going to be here, so I'll do some climate change stuff I've been uh, collecting information on. And we'll do that all. And I'll see you all tomorrow morning, tomorrow at the early morning, 6 o'clock in the morning central time. That's when we start the Friday show, and next Monday, we're going to start an hour later because Heather Strickland's coming back, our rebel keto person, our rebel diet uh, person, and she's a, she's a real kick. So uh, things are changing. We're rebuilding. We've lost a lot of reporters. We've got a lot of new reporters, and we just do what we always do best, which is just keep, just keep moving on. From Addiction to Achievement, that is the story of Mike Lindell. It started with MyPillow and now goes to My Coffee. Action Radio is proud to be an affiliate of MyPillow. Our discount code is the same for all our product affiliates, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws. My Pillow Pillows are guaranteed the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. action radio live this is Greg Penglis for strike force your source for pure energy strike force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink you make your energy drink yourself action radio is an affiliate of strike force so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code, W-Y-L, to the discount code window at checkout. W-Y-L comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at strikeforceenergy.com. That's Strikeforce Energy. Com. Start your this is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. Joe Biden's Dark Winter. No freedom, no liberty, no guns, no representation, no oil, no coal, no nuclear power, no space force, no Constitution. No family gatherings, no vacations, just taxes, work, misery, masks, lockdowns, and ever more government. This is what will happen if you let Marxists steal the election. This has been a public service announcement of Action Radio, reminding you it's time to get off your butt and save your country.